0: It's the worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only
0: one... One more! That's it. One more! Get it around No! They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for. Them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this, this is the sports mouth!
1: Yeah! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here
0: with Errol Marks and Speedy Speedy. You're not even a has been. Here never
2: was! Here never was! You're a never was! We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is a new show of the Sports Loudmouth. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN or Android,
1: Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy peedy. What is up, my friends? A little bit of a scare yesterday. My grandmother had to be rushed to the emergency room. Okay. Yeah, she had a kidney issue. It was a side effect from one of the other procedures, but she's okay now. Back home, luckily. She has another appointment. It was supposed to be today. Now it's going to be tomorrow to test all that, but it looks good. So... Glad that she's okay. Well, I'm happy that Grandma's okay. Which grandmother is this? Uh, my mother's mother.
2: Oh, so another grandmother, another grandparent, not very, do- not doing very
1: well. Yeah, she's had all kinds of issues. She's had, she has arthritis. She's had some dental issues. She's had, she's had some other issues as well. So just a compilation of side effects. She can't walk around very well. She can't walk on grass and so many other surfaces. There's a lot of she can't. Well,
2: we hope that your grandmother feels better. As always, uh, just a lot of crazy things happening in the world of sports, especially here in New York, but it seems uh, to happen in, I guess, spurts. Uh, But uh, we'll get into that in just a few moments. Uh, At 9.30, we'll be talking to founder of Pro Football Guru, Russell Baxter, will be joining us. Russ, who has been sending me a couple of things that you've been posting things on certain social medias that he doesn't like, but uh, I'm sure he's going to mention a couple of that. Or things of that nature when he comes on a little bit later in the show. Um, at 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to, what is this? Pewter Report. Pewter Report, Buccaneers beat writer, J.C. Allen. He'll be joining us as well. So, uh, J.C., this will be the first time J.C. will be on the show. So, that'll be fun. Uh, we'll talk about the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, and everything going on in the offseason as they lose their center for the year. Um, topics we're going to get into tonight. Zach Wilson. With a successful meniscus surgery, uh, status for week one is still in doubt. It means he's probably not going to be playing. As uh, they go into the season against Baltimore, why not Joe Flacco for the first time playing against his former team that he won the Super Bowl with? So, uh, And he's been playing very, very well uh, in practices. So a lot of people are liking what they see with Joe Flacco. Uh, Fernando Tatis' uh, suspension for 80 games after testing positive uh, for uh, – testosterone boosters or whatever you want to say steroids uh as he says it was ringworm uh he was using some kind of ointment on his forearm as we all know uh gary uh, gary sheffield said that over the years and also barry bond so uh we'll get into that a little bit later in the show lamar jackson gives the ravens week one deadline to negotiate a new contract or he will not negotiate a contract until the season's end. So, um, interesting story, which means Lamar Jackson will be an unrestricted free agent after this season. So, if he has a breakout season, there'll be a load of teams lining up for a young star quarterback in Lamar Jackson. So, interesting betting on himself. We've seen quarterbacks. We've seen players do that. Aaron Judge bet on himself this year, and he has successfully... Uh, proven that he could be the best player in the league. Uh, Yankees bats continue to struggle. Now have lost 10 of 12 games. I, I've been saying that I am not worried about the Yankees, but if they continue not to hit, Aaron Boone could be on his way out. You you cannot keep a manager in his spot if they're not hitting. And, and I think two consecutive games shut out there. Yes. They're getting. They finally got a run tonight. Uh, it's three to one in the sixth inning, so it doesn't look good for the Yankees. Initial reaction to the Jets and Giants preseason week one. Uh, rumors circulating that James Dolan could sell the Knicks and the Rangers by next year. So I don't know if that's good or bad. James Dolan likes to open up his pockets. Uh, Could it draw some free agents to come and play for the Knicks? Possibly. There's a lot of free agents that have said they will never play for James Dolan. But, uh, you know, money talks, as we all know. Uh, and uh, And the Mets call up their top third baseman prospect, Brett Beatty. So we expected that to happen as they've been having problems at their third base position. So first things first, let's get into the Zach Wilson conversation. Because on Saturday, actually I'm sorry, on Friday... The Jets' first preseason game, there was a huge scare. A lot of people, all these doctors, analysts, screaming that Zach Wilson tore his ACL was absolutely ridiculous. How could you watch a video and assume that Zach Wilson tore his ACL? Now, I understand Jet fans, and I saw so many podcasts pop up on YouTube after this all happened. This is the season-ending injury. This is over for the New York Jets. The Jets are done. To sit here today and think that the Jets are done because of Zach Wilson tearing his meniscus. and, And listen... Nobody thought that he tore his meniscus. A lot of people thought it was an ACL. Then we were hearing PCL injury. We were hearing a sprain in his knee. Then we heard a bruise in his knee. And then it became a meniscus injury. Meniscus injuries are really easy to fix now. And we have seen basketball players come back in two weeks. Now, as the New York Jets have said, as Robert Sala has said this week, no matter how long the doctor tells him that it's going to take to fully heal. If Zach is not hundred percent, he will not be on the field, which could mean five to six weeks instead of four. But nevertheless, the Jets dodged a bullet. The New York Jets, who usually never dodge a bullet, they always have these problems. Carl Lawson last year, before they even they played a preseason game, they were in Green Bay, they were practicing. And, and he tore his ACL. He was out for the season. They had no pass rush. After giving him the money that they gave him in the offseason, expecting him to be the big star defensive lineman that they expected him to be, he got hurt. And now you look at the, the Zach Wilson injury. You sit here today, and you, you, there are sighs of relief. But are there? Joe Flacco has looked really, really good. At practices. You've heard what Garrett Wilson said today. Saying that what one of the analysts asked him what's the difference between Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco? And he said, Well, Joe Flacco is a veteran and he knows where to put the ball. I don't have to I don't have to move anywhere. I can I can position myself and put myself in position to catch the ball, and the ball is going to be right there waiting for me. What does that say about Zach Wilson? Zach Wilson is not the accurate quarterback Joe Flacco is. Now, that has a lot to do with his age and being that this is his second year. And hopefully, Jet fans are hoping that he could turn into that accurate quarterback they expected him to be after coming from BYU. But a lot of Jet fans were jumping off a bridge when they heard that Zach Wilson could be out for the season. And by the way, For all those doctors out there watching video, assuming because of the way his knee jerked that he tore his ACL. Boy, oh boy, do you not look stupid. Now, I understand you're a doctor, you're a surgeon, you're whatever you are. And how about the analysts that were assuming that they heard through some grapevine... That Zach Wilson tore his ACL when the Jets didn't even know until the end of the game after they did all the tests. So how would they know in the middle of the game that Zach Wilson tore his ACL? And I'm not going to mention names because I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. Even though they look damn stupid. What we saw on Friday was Zach Wilson, in every single way, looked like a rookie. He threw an interception to a linebacker on the Eagles. First team linebacker for the Eagles. I don't remember who it was. Kaiser White. White. He didn't look good. He was looking at the wide receiver all the way. I think it was Conkling that he was looking at when he threw the ball. And never took his eye off of him. You can't do that in the NFL. This is not BYU. This is not college football. This is the NFL. This is the best of the best. This is the best players at their position in the league. You can't make a mistake like that. And then the next drive, he curls out when a linebacker is blitzing him, made a great play, and instead of sliding or running out of bounds, he decides to, for some for some reason in a preseason game, try to jerk in and, and try to move away from a linebacker and then tears his meniscus. Where he was very, very lucky that he didn't do worse to a ligament. So I I sit here today. Am I satisfied in, in game one of the preseason with the Jets? No, they didn't look good. Especially the defense in the first two drives. They looked horrible. This is a team that's going to be built on defense this year with Carl Lawson and Jermaine Johnson, and we're hearing so many good things about this kid Clemens, who's looked really, really good in the preseason game and looked really, really good and has looked good at practice. And also Sauce, that was asking questions on the sideline, looked like he was so advanced at his position as a rookie. What scares me about the Jets are is that this team has not, over the years, showed up and played at their ability. That's going to be the that's going to be the question for Robert Sala. Is Robert Sala going to get the most out of his players this year for them to achieve even eight wins? And that's a successful season with the way their I guess games are set up. Yes. Yeah, especially skyline. the first six or seven games of the season.
1: Four AFC North games in a row to start the season. You don't see that every day.
2: So, you sit here today. Are you happy that it's a meniscus? Injury, I would say yes. Are you happy that it was a a successful meniscus surgery? I would say yes. But to sit here right now and just say, hey, you know what? This gives the Jets an opportunity to see what Joe Flacco is and what he could be this year. We already know what Joe Flacco is. He is a veteran quarterback. He's won a Super Bowl. We all know that the, the, all the players love Joe. But we need to know what Zach Wilson is this year, and we need to know quickly what he is, because if we don't find out what he is next year, this year, we're not going to know what we can be searching when it comes to the draft next year in a quarterback-friendly draft. I, I think today, as a Jet fan, you could sit here. You could sit here and and sigh, and, and 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 honestly say that there is some kind of relief that Zach Wilson will have a season this year, because as a Jet fan, and I am a Jet fan, and I'm a realist, I want to see what Zach Wilson is, because Speedy, if I don't know what Zach Wilson is this year, I don't think we'll ever know.
1: Mm-hmm. And definitely, could uh, definitely a sigh of relief that it was only a small break in that meniscus as well. They said it was going to be a slightly, slightly splintered was the diagnosis at the end of that. And that's a good sign that the surgery ended up going well. And even long-term that could help for somebody that is reliant on his mobility a lot. Zach Wilson has good speed for for his size rolls out well. And that was one of his strengths last year. And especially in this kind of scheme, you need that kind of thing to happen. Now, like you were saying before, Zach Wilson, I don't know what he's doing in terms of trying to make that kind of cut. There's no reason to make that kind of cut. It reminds me a lot of what Jimmy Garoppolo did in 2018 when he got hurt and he he tore his Achilles in a blowout loss against the Chiefs in week three. He tried to stay in bounds and made a very similar type of cut. There's no need to do that in a blowout game, and there's definitely no need to do that in a preseason game. So I will fault Zach Wilson for that. I'm not faulting the coaching staff. I'm not faulting the training staff for any of that. It's a preseason game that Zach Wilson, on the previous drive, threw an interception. And you're right, did not look at anyone else other than Tyler Conklin. Kaiser White, who's a good, fast-coverage linebacker, read that well, picked him off. Robert Sala did the right thing, putting him back in the game, making him respond. How is he going to respond coming off a turnover? It's not his fault that Zach Wilson got hurt in that case. It's Zach Wilson's fault he got hurt. But luckily, diagnosis is there uh, that it was positive. I don't think he'll still be back for week one. He might even miss week two as well. But they have enough leeway now with Joe Flacco. They're going to have to ease him back in. But luckily, it might not be only besides the one or two weeks because it's only a small I think it's
2: just going to be the first week because it'll be four weeks. And I think Zach will be ready for game number two. Uh, if Joe wins game number one and knocks off the Ravens, which quite possibly could happen. Joe Flacco revenge game. <laughs> it, 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 this is the first time Flacco's going to play against his former team, a team that he won a Super Bowl with, a coach that he knows very, very well. If somehow Joe Flacco knocks off the great and powerful Ravens, maybe the Jets keep him in for another year, a game or two to see what Joe Flacco— and if Joe Flacco is just having an unbelievable season, he wins the first two or three games— You keep him as a starter until he loses. And then you figure out what you're going to do when it comes to starting quarterback position. So when I think about the New York Jets and and where the Jets are as an organization, you just hope that the growth of Robert Sala as a head coach, the growth of Zach Wilson, transitions to what we expect the Jets to be when it comes to uh, an AFC powerhouse in the next two or three years. Because if they're not... Robert Sala could be looking for a new job after next year. Zach Wilson could be done this year. And Joe Douglas could be looking for a new job after this year. No matter how good his draft was, you bet on that quarterback. You gave up Sam Darnold for a second and a fourth. You made out on it. You did because you got Clemens and you got you got Jermaine Johnson, which you moved up in the first round to get. So you, you successfully did what you needed to do to get those two guys But then again, you failed when it comes to the quarterback position, and that is the most important position in the NFL.
1: Ben says, Jets ruled out for the playoffs again. Snug says, topic, should the Yankees fire Aaron Boone work for the Phillies? Hey, the Yanks scored a run tonight. It's a good night for them. Let's go, Mets. Uh, ben says, Michael Irvin says, Cowboys going undefeated in upcoming season. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, Snugg says, how is Zach Wilson's mom's knee? Uh, ben says, uh, or Snug says, can you confirm that Michael Irvin and B- the Beef have been spending way too much time together? Probably in bathhouses. Carl says, Zach handles the MILFs better than the turf. Mm-hmm. Snugg says, I think you're right. Zach Wilson is comfortable hunting cougars and throwing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Ben says, Jets should check their Rolodex for Favre's number. He might be their only hope for a rescued season. He couldn't even rescue them 13 years ago, so I don't know about that, Ben. Uh, Carl says, three fi- three words, every Jets fan shoulders to hear. Flacco under center. Sox says, maybe test Verde. Carl thinks one and six to start. Uh, Snug says I heard the Jets wanted to see if Pete Alonso wanted to play quarterback, but the Mets blocked him. Uh, Carl says Garoppolo got tackled out of bounds. Speedy, yeah. What I'm saying is there he could have just slid before that though and avoided that that hit altogether. Uh, Snug says I heard Jimmy G actually dropped one of the f- new Subway Fresh lineup and was so heavily packed with goodness it almost broke his knee in half. Flacco doesn't give to blanks he wants a paycheck and Flacco, uh, Carl says Flacco will throw two picks and a 10point loss to the Ravens.
2: I will say this. I, I think the Jets will have a better record than one in six in the first seven games of the season. I, I think the Jets are two and five. That's where I think they are. I, I do think they could beat the Browns. The Browns will not have a starting quarterback uh, early in the season. As good as the Browns could be with Deshaun Watson, for the first six games, they're going to have to deal without him in the lineup. So there is no Jimmy G. There is no Baker Mayfield. So they're going to depend on the backup play of their quarterbacks and their running game, which, by the way, Hunt wants out, and Chubb never stays healthy. So that's a huge problem, and the Browns like to run the ball first and throw second as a West Coast offensive team. So the question is, where are they going to find these wins, especially early in the season, where their schedule is so deep and so dangerous? So I I think that when you look at where the Jets are positioned, especially with the Zach Wilson situation, I think it's good that Zach Wilson is starting the season on the bench because he gets to watch a veteran quarterback play. You get to see Joe Flacco uh, be able to air out to these young wide receivers like Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson and Denzel Mims, and maybe show these guys where they need to be positioned as a young rookie wide receiver on this team, and and figure out the routes that they're going to run when Zach Wilson comes back. You know, went from his injury. So there's so much that could happen. The question is. Will the Jets show up on Sunday? And that has been a huge
1: problem for this organization, Speedy, for a very long time. Now, here's the interesting thing, too. The first two, uh, first two road games are the Browns and the Steelers, which the Browns, you're right, definitely could have a quarterback hole because Jacoby Brissett's likely to be the starter. It seems like they're less and less interested in Jimmy Garoppolo now, mm-hmm. so I don't know if that's going to happen. And then the Steelers... Mitch Trubisky could be starting, Kenny Pickett could be starting. They're a team kind of in transition, too. So two games they could definitely steal on the road. Their, their home games are the two like more established teams in the Ravens and the Bengals. Now, the Dolphins in Week 5 at home could be interesting. Uh, that could be a game they could win as well. And then it's Week 6 against the Packers. So, yeah, 2 and 5 probably does seem like That's ways. where I think they're going yeah. to be.
2: And I- if they win three games out of the seven games, that's a success. Especially with Zach Wilson coming back from an injury. He's going to miss the preseason. He's going to miss the practices. You're going to have to get him uh, under center, understand, you know, reads and everything like that when it comes to defenses. That's going to be a problem for Zach because you saw in the preseason game number one, he threw a pick in the first drive. So he did not read that the linebacker was coming under. The, the pass. And, and that's a problem because a lot of linebackers like to do that in the NFL. They like mm-hmm. to come under the pass, and that's why they always tell you to... Uh, you, and Ben Rothersberger was the king of doing this. Pump fake, you know, see what you see on the field, and always look at your second, you know, your second priority Reed, throw yeah. you know, your second read. So, he did not
1: look at his second read, and that's why he got caught, and that's why it was intercepted. Mm-hmm. A lot of the linebackers now too, and even safeties, look at... Not necessarily looking at the quarterback's eyes the whole time, too, but also their point of release as well, where the ball is going, too. And they can read that as well. So Zach Wilson has to do a better job at not just trying to even stand in one spot either, which he was rolling out a little bit on that interception, too. But still, that can't be something he has to do. Let's go through the first seven games. Yeah.
2: Let's say they lose against the Ravens, Uh okay? And and maybe they win because they're playing a home game against the Ravens. Maybe they surprise everybody and they beat the Ravens. But I'm going to say they're going to lose that game. Okay. They beat the Browns. Okay, they go to Chicago, they go to Cleveland and they beat the Browns. They lose against the Bagels at home. So that's two games at home that they lost. All right. They go to Pittsburgh, they beat Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Because Mitchell Trubisky even though he's looked really good so far in practices and preseason, he is starting. Everything that we've heard, yes. he is starting. It doesn't matter what Kenny Pickett does in the preseason games. They're going to start Mitchell Trubisky. So they could beat Pittsburgh. So let's say the Jets win that game. So they're two and two. They go back home. They haven't won a home game and they play the Dolphins. I think the Jets could beat the Dolphins. I do. The Dolphins, what scares me about the Dolphins is their offensive line. Mm-hmm. They do not have a good offensive line. The Jets are supposedly supposed to have a very good defensive line. And with Quinton Williams trying to get that big contract in the offseason. Carl Lawson coming back from injury, a lot to prove. Jermaine Johnson and Rankins and all these guys, all these different guys that they brought in in the offseason. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, Alexander and all these guys. I expect the Jets to rain fire on this Dolphins team. So they can easily be 3-2 and two going into game number six. And I could see that. And they'll lose against the backers. Mm -hmm. And then they'll probably lose against the Broncos.
1: And so that's where so everything stocks important. You're thinking three and four the first seven games? Yeah, why not? It, right. it could happen. It's possible. I don't think they'll win both of the Browns or Steelers. I think they'll lose one of those games. But, yeah, two and five is what I'm thinking in that realm, too. I think they do steal one of those games depending on the situation. Because the Browns are very talented. They might be able to win with their running game. The Jets' run defense will still We'll see if they're able to adjust because they were really bad last year, too. And the Steelers, who knows? They might win with their defense, too. But I, could definitely, I definitely agree with you. I think they'll beat the Dolphins for sure. Because that interior offensive line, especially for Miami, is horrible. Horrible right now.
2: And I, I think Sauce obviously bringing in a guy like Tyreek Hill is going to be able to defend and and, and keep Tyreek Hill at least under 100 yards and maybe not scoring a touchdown. Because uh, Tyreek Hill is a great player. He's an offensive guru. and We've seen what he does on the field. He's like a flea, okay? That's what he is. And, and he's a pest on the field. But that's why they made that move for Sauce. That's why they drafted Sauce at number four because they need a shutdown corner to shut down the top wide receiver on the other team. But uh, again, they have a lot of weapons, Miami. So they could be very, very dangerous. But I I do believe that when you look at this schedule, as hard as the schedule may be, I I still question the Browns. I don't know where their quarterback is. I don't know what they're going to be as a running team this year. Are they going to be able to run against the Jets this year? Now that now with Alexander there and with the, the pass rushers that the Jets have on the corners, Carl Lawson and obviously Jermaine Johnson and, and Clemens that they brought in in the draft who looks really, really good. Are they going to be able to run against the Jets? The, the Jets were one of the worst run-stopping teams in the league last year. They were one of the worst. I think they were the worst. They were, I think, the third worst last year. Okay, and now you look at the you look at the Jets this year. They absolutely upgraded on that defensive line, and rankings will look better. I can't see the rank, rankings looking as bad mm-hmm. as he did last year. Quinton Williams is going to be a lot better. He's fighting for a contract this year. He wants to be paid hundred million dollars. He wants to be paid Aaron Donald money. So, and and by the way, everything that I've heard, and I don't know if anybody's playing Jets one, watching Jets one drive. Uh, everything that we heard from Lincoln Tomlinson is that Quinn Williams could even be better than Aaron Donald. Now, wow. I, I, that's coming from a guy that's played Aaron Donald twice a year in the same division. Okay, so I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I don't know, but you're getting you're getting that compliment from Lincoln Tomlinson that that says a lot about who you are as a player in Quentin Williams. So. We'll see what Quentin Williams could do this year as a top defensive lineman in this league. He, he's going to want big money? Well, you're going to need at least 13 sacks. I want to see 13 sacks. I want to see a dominant Quentin Williams in the middle shutting down running games. That's what I want to see because if Quentin could do that and do the things that we expected him to do coming from Alabama, which he's had glimpses of that stardom, that type of player, if he could do it this year, He's going to get that money in the offseason, if not from the Jets, somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, I, I want to see this Jets defense show up this year. It, this I look at the Jets. There's a lot of upgrades on the offensive side of the ball. Garrett Wilson, definitely an upgrade. Elijah Moore, if he could stay healthy, an upgrade. You have Denzel Mims, who looks really, really good. A lot of people are saying he looks as good as anybody on the field in practices. But those are practices. Corey Davis, we know who he is. Conklin looked really, really good in the preseason game. Everybody says that he he might even start over Uzuma. Uzuma.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Better blocker. Makes sense. And he, he looks like he's everybody's favorite target on the field because he's fast, he's big, and he can catch the ball. I mean, the Jets have weapons this year. Brees Hall. Michael Carter looked really good in the preseason game as well. This should be a fun offensive team this year. Are they going to be high-flying? Are they going to score 21, 30 points a game? I can't see it. No. But I could see them score 17 points a game and win with your defense. They've done it with Rex Ryan. We've done it. We've seen it in so many different years. But they're going to have to do it with their defense. More
1: interceptions. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL intercepting the Polaris. Yeah. Their secondary especially was very bad in the second half, too. The Jets' pass defense was top 10 in the first half, but not in the second half. They really fell apart. Uh, before we go to break, uh, Carl says, no red zone channel coverage of that game. Snug says, I think Zach Wilson should try a punt fake. It would blow the defense's mind. Boom. Carl says, Trubisky looks good. Oxymoron. Snug says, be careful what before you know it, the Jets will be 7-0 to start. Uh, wow, Carl says, wow, Speedy. it says, went over the Dolphins for sure. I'll come back to you on the bet, Carl. It's uh, well, too early to tell a week five game. Uh, Stuck says, Hawaii and Tebow is going to go wild this season. Uh, With 7,000 yards, 72 touchdowns, zero picks. Carl says, let's pump the brakes, Tomlinson. Uh, Snug says the Jets will give up zero points this year, a new record, but the Jets will end up 0-17 and end up missing the playoffs. Carl says, Mims, please, no way. And Snug says, Zach Wilson's taste in Cougars upgrade.
2: What does he mean, Mims, please, no way? I guess he doesn't believe in Mims coming back. (laughs) He looks pretty good. Everything that I've read, he looks pretty damn good. Uh, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to founder of Pro Football Guru, Russell Baxter, here on the Sports Loud Mounts.
1: You're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouse.
2: I like it. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the Sports Loud I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy PD. 631 672 is the number to call. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are waiting for Russ. He's about to come in. There he is. And we have him back and ready to go. Russ, are you ready, bud? I know you are.
0: I'm (laughs) ready. I'm just uh, having a little volume control here. (laughs) Such is life.
2: Oh, that's damn sure, especially on this show. Uh, We are now talking to founder of Pro Football Guru, Russell Baxter. Russ, what's going on, man?
0: Well, not much. I'm... uh just waiting to see who the three senior finalists will be for the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. Today was supposed to be decision day as they whittled down, as you might or might not know, instead of one senior committee nominee, um, there will be three Mm. for this year and the next two years going forward as the Pro Football Hall of Fame tries to get rid of that backlog of older players um, and guys who have been waiting so, so long and so on. I think you have to remind people that, the NFL doesn't run the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but obviously a lot of the people who are in the Hall of Fame played in the NFL. Mm. Um, some played, you know, even professional football before the NFL. The NFL was founded in 1920. The Hall of Fame began in 1963. Do the math. That's 43 years. Mm. So that's there's a big gap there with some of these older players as they try to get some of the older players in, and then the not-so-older players kind of fall by the wayside. So it'll be interesting to see who they come out with. Uh, maybe later tonight or tomorrow.
2: I'd like to see Klecko again, and I, I mean, I, I thought he was one of the best players of his time. Uh, I think the NFL or whatever the voters have really torched him when it comes to getting into the Hall of Fame. He deserves absolutely to be in the Hall of Fame.
0: Well, you could probably say that be about a lot of guys. You know, I, I just remember Jerry Kramer waited forty years to get in. If he can wait 40 years, some guys can wait 20. Mm. So, and the guys who we're talking about here are the 25. Uh, Right off the top of my head, I don't know if Joe made the final 12 this year. Mm. Okay. Mm. I don't have that list in front of me and so on. So, but it'll be in there. I agree with you. I think Joe should be in there. And a guy who probably made a case for him went in this year. And that's Richard Seymour. Mm -hmm. Because Richard Seymour was a guy who could play interior, exterior, 3-4, 4-3, Belichick even lined him up in the backfield at times. Um, but to point, Joe Klecko is a pro bowler at three different positions. Mm-hmm. But I've written about Joe Klecko many times yes. on the, you know, omissions list and so on. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him get in. And I think eventually he will. I mean, you know, it'll be the next three years with the senior committee, Errol. But who knows what the rules are going to be going forward? Remember, there's a new Hall of Fame president now. David Baker is not there anymore. Right. So and, and and as time evolves and voters evolve and some voters will eventually change. We also know that, too. Mm. So um, we shall see. But it's always fun. I, I spent, you know, I was in Canton a week and a half ago. It's always great to go back there. My first year was 1989. Wow. wow. When the ceremony was still on the steps, the Hall of Fame game was Saturday afternoon. Willie Wood, Terry Bradshaw, Mel Blunt, Art Shell. That was the first <laughs> class I saw go in. That's a
1: pretty good class. By the way, he is one of the 12 senior finalists. There you year. go.
0: There you go. So let's see. Let's see what happens and so on. And, you know, last, this past year, we finally saw a guy who I thought was way overdue to get in, and that was Cliff Branch mm-hmm. uh, with the seniors committee. So, um, you know, it, it, the Hall of Fame voters aren't trying to keep people out. Okay. I mean, I've, I've read every conspiracy theory, every, um, you know, tinfoil, hmm. you know, analysis. That the NFL is trying to screw this team—that's good. First off, it has nothing to do with the NFL; it's the it's the voting committee and so on. So, we shall see. But it's always a fun time. I don't know if you guys have ever made the trip to Canton. I highly have. Recommend it One time, it's great. Mm-hmm. I did it yeah. in
1: 2013, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We didn't even get it's to a, see the whole thing. It's a lot thing. of fun. You, so you, you
0: never know, and you never know who you're going to bump into, and I mean that literally. I, I when I was at ESPN, we were doing some live coverage on the steps of the hall. And my producer at the time, Bob Rauscher, told me and a young production assistant, make sure no one walks in front of the live shot. (laughs) So two men actually walked in front of the live shot. One guy was Gail Sayers. Mm -hmm. The other guy was Ray Nitschke. Wow. Production assistant looked at me and said, hey, they're in the live shot. I said, you tell. (laughs) (laughs) At the first time they were right in the same shot. (laughs) Yeah, you tell him. You tell Bodansky that he's in the live shot. Okay. (laughs)
1: I wouldn't. <laughs> they sure wanted to reenact enough. their playing days on a more modern camera. Well,
0: if you remember The Longest Yard, mm-hmm. um, I think that was one of Ray Nitschke's great games. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody told him it was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: we are talking to the founder of Pro Football Guru, Russell Baxter. Um, Russ, uh, obviously, this past weekend, uh, there was a huge scare for the New York Jets. Uh, Zach mm-hmm. Wilson. Uh, Tears his meniscus, uh, obviously bruised knee. A lot of these experts, quote-unquote, before uh, the game was over, were suggesting that he tore his ACL and the season was over. His career as a New York Jet is completely over. Then you find out after the game that his ACL is intact. That's what you heard with Robert Sala. And then, obviously... Uh, today, he had his meniscus surgery, and they said it was a lot less worse than they thought it was going to be. So what were your thoughts when you heard Zach Wilson was hurt in the first preseason game? And and what are your thoughts now that everything looks like it could be fine going into week number two?
0: Uh, well, here's what I learned a long time ago. If you're looking for a doctor, just go on Twitter. Okay? <laughs> just go on Twitter, because as soon as someone gets hurt, thousands of them. I mean, even more than it's easier to find a doctor on Twitter, than it is a lawyer. Okay. Um, I've never understood how anybody can do analysis from their TV screen. Okay. So I just kind of, I got to be honest with you, I just wait and see what happens. A lot of times now, um, you see these injuries not being as bad as you think. I think it's the initial gut reaction of watching him go down. And of course, you know, he rolled out and it was a non-contact injury and so on. So no one knows until they go in there. Um, And as you, you know, adeptly pointed out and so on, we also now have players with quicker recovery times. Mm -hmm. We see it all the time now. I mean, it's not, you know, I listen, I go back to the days where, you know, guys like William Andrews Who's was on. I don't remember him from the late seventies, early It's yep. great back for the, uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, very underrated, tore up his knee. He was done. Okay. Back then it was, you know, for like, a professional death sentence for lack of a better word. Now you go in and it's like getting, you know, you know, getting a part removed, uh, you know, on your washing machine or something <laughs> like that. Now the recovery time is a whole different thing The confidence of being on that knee. I I think we're seeing that a little right now with Devin Bush of the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, who's getting a lot of criticism because now we're getting to the point where it's two years removed from his knee surgery. Has he lost this confidence? Has he lost this step? Only the individual knows and so on. But honestly, I heard it. I saw it. I just waited. Okay, you're just better off waiting instead of running for office on social media and and, and declaring this person that person and so on. And (laughs) Joe Flacco's there. Joe, you know, having Joe Flacco around, who is, you know, obviously now in the twilight of his career, you know, him and Matt Ryan were both first round picks in 2008. Joe Flacco, strong arm quarterback, can still play this game. If they had to go with him for a couple of weeks, you go with him. I mean, it's a long season, you know, and, and uh, we shall sing. And I, I like the direction the Jets are headed in. Um, you know, I did some bold predictions earlier in the year and, and, for me, uh, I think I think they win some divisional games this year. Mm. I think that would be a step in the right direction. As we know they were, you know, 0-6 the last two years in the division. Okay. So you gotta crawl before you walk. So let's, you know, let's maybe steal one from the Dolphins. Maybe let's, you know, finally beat the Patriots. I you know, they haven't they haven't beaten the Patriots. Well, who's I mean, you gotta go back Six or seven years. Yeah, the, it's been about the six game years, where Matthew
1: yeah. Slater botched
0: the coin toss was the right. last one for the yeah. Jets. I mean, you have to, I mean, you have to get. That. Well, I don't think they've won. I don't think they've won in New England since the 2010 playoffs. Mm-hmm. Crawl before you walk.
2: As a Jet fan, you could say it backwards. Mm-hmm. You could say it frontwards. It doesn't really matter. It always seems to happen and reach to the middle. So we all know about well, walking and crawling and failing. I mean, so just when well, you walk, just make sure you line,
0: don't. The bottom line is they uh, they have the longest playoff drought in the league. They haven't been there since the AFC championship game when they lost to Pittsburgh. That's a long time in this league. Um, you know, we're, where we saw a year ago, three teams go from last place to the playoffs and one of them to the Super Bowl. OK, we are regular. By the way, go back the last nine or 10 years, especially in the NFC. We are regularly seeing a team. Come off a losing season. I'm going to write about this in, in a week or so. Coming off a losing season and wind up in the Super Bowl. Hmm. Okay, I mean, we, you know, we saw it last year with Cincinnati. The year before that, we saw it with Tampa Bay. Uh, we the Eagles went from seven to nine to Super Bowl champions. Right. Okay, so it's you know it's it's kind of an odd trend and so on, but. It's hap- It happens. The Pan- so the
1: Panthers and Falcons, when they went to the Super Bowl recently too, was like
0: yeah, that. too. right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's you know you don't necessarily win it, but you get it. San Francisco came off a losing season, okay, and then came back and. But last year, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Cincinnati were all last place in 2020. All were in the playoffs in 2021. The year that Jacksonville last made the playoffs, they were a last place team. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they're up by 10 in Foxborough in the 2017 AFC. Now, they haven't recovered from that, but that's a whole different story.
1: <laughs> so, speaking of, you mentioned Joe Flacco, his predecessor, Lamar Jackson, he wants to get paid. So, do you think that happens before the season? He wants to cut it off right before week one.
0: Well, I don't blame him for wanting to cut it off before week one, okay, to be honest with you, because once you start dabbling in that during the season, you know, that can become a legitimate. Distraction, and listen. I, I I thought arguably the Ravens had the best off season in the league, but the the Ravens are also bringing a six game losing streak into two thousand twenty two. Okay, they were eight and three, and at one time looked like the front runner to get home field advantage. They plummeted, and they finished dead last. So now they had massive injuries in the backfield. They wound up with the worst pass defense in the league. They were giving up 40-yard plays through the air on a regular basis. I think the year before that, they gave up the fewest. Then they wound up giving up the most. Now, they brought in Marcus Williams. Um, Kyle Fuller's there as well. They got Kyle Hamilton in the draft. Had a very, very, again, successful offseason. We know what that division is like. That division is, you know, it's it's an MMA match. Okay, you know, regularly that team sent division sends two. We've seen even three teams come from that playoffs. And now, of course, you can now send four teams to the playoffs. So I don't know what the Ravens are necessarily thinking, um, but he's coming off a year where he was a little banged up. Um, I think you know what what he came out and said as far as let's get if we don't get this done, you know, we stop now. I think that was a smart thing because. They have to rebound and they now have to rebound in the division where two teams ahead of them made the playoffs and one of them went to the Super Bowl. And when they played the Cincinnati Bengals last year, it wasn't even close both times. I mean, they got rolled significantly by the Bengals.
2: We are talking to the founder of pro football guru, Russell Baxter. Russ, there was a lot of acquisitions this offseason, especially in the AFC Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, we know where Russell Wilson went. He went to the Broncos. I mean, the Chargers got a lot better. Kansas City got worse, but Vegas got better. There was a lot of teams in the AFC that definitely got better. What stood out to you the most so far this offseason? And what team in the AFC is going to take a step forward because of it?
0: I put Baltimore and the Chargers in different categories. I think Baltimore rebounds. I don't know if they'll rebound all the way to the playoffs and so on, but I think they'll rebound. But the Chargers do intrigue me because what they were able to do defensively, they traded for Khalil Mack. They gave up a lot of money to get J.C. Jackson. And then they got a sneaky, good defensive guy. You know, he's not sneaky to you guys. But, you know, be it special teams, be it defense, he always just seems to be around the ball. And that's Kyle Van Noy. I thought picking him up was one – he's one of those difference-making type of guys. Now The Chargers – I think some people forget in 2018 they were tied for the best record in the AFC, mm-hmm. but they wound up as a wild card because of their, they lost the tiebreaker uh, to the Chiefs. They won a playoff game. They beat Baltimore in Baltimore before they went to New England, and uh, either they missed Laid their up flight, up a
2: lousy goose egg. That's what they did. Yeah,
0: they either missed their flight or that was a different team. I don't, I don't know. I mean, but they really they stunk it up. I mean, New England won the Super Bowl that year, but the Chargers were basically a no-show, and they have, again, they haven't recovered from that, so, you know, we saw them last year, roller coaster ride would be an understatement, Brandon Staley, you talk about on-the-job training, I think he was determined to go forward on fourth down, and at <laughs> least once in every 17 regular season games, <laughs> I think, I I understood it, but I didn't agree with all of it, I think he, he, he maybe got a little too clever, but, you know, they did not necessarily play last year, guys, complimentary football, okay? I, I remember they, Would they beat the Browns, 47-42. Yeah, that was a okay. wild game. But, you know, they, they 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 lost the game to Minnesota at home. That proved to be costly. They, they lost the game to New England, where, again, they were erratic. Um, they looked like they had the Chiefs, uh, I think, on a Thursday night. And then Travis Kelsey decided to run around them, through them, and over them. So – very hard to very hard team to figure out Justin Herbert we know what he can do offensively they have a lot of people but as much as you hear and i hear this from other people our other brethren this is not an offensive league this championship will still be decided by defense okay i there was this popular perception that well the cincinnati bengals got to the super bowl with a lousy offensive line i'm not denying that because when your quarterback, including the postseason, gets sacked 70 times in 19 games, that's a problem. But they didn't win the Super Bowl. And this is my favorite trivia question in of the offseason, so you guys get to participate. Mm. Who spent more time in the Bengals' backfield in the second half of Super Bowl 56? A, Joe Burrow, B, Aaron Donald, or C, Von Miller? Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. Yeah. Well, what does that tell you? Okay. So in a league where it is supposedly offensively driven, two of the last four Super Bowls guys has seen a team not score a touchdown. The Rams got a field goal against the Patriots. The Chiefs got three field goals against the Bucks. You know how many times that happened in the first 52 Super Bowls? Once. Now, some of those are were defensive touchdowns, special teams touchdowns. I get all that and so on, but. The bottom line is you better have some sort of defense to complement your offense. Or all those points don't... Be, I mean, Dallas slumped at the of end leads. of the year. A lot of people made a big deal out of them leading the league and scoring. But I believe they had nine defensive and special teams touchdowns. So you wonder why they were sporadic down you losing at home to Arizona late in the year, the playoff loss to San Francisco. you got to be playing complementary football. This is a league where... We saw – think about this. We pretty much saw six lopsided games in the wild card round, mm-hmm. okay? Six of the last – I'm sorry, six of the last seven playoff games were decided by a field goal, exactly three points. And the one was decided in overtime, which was the Bills-Kansas City game, which decided by six points. So better play some defense. As All those points are great. All those yards are great. All those touchdowns are great. So that's why I think the Chargers intrigued me because I thought maybe you could arguably make a case that they maybe made the best strides on defense. And, you know, you're adding Khalil Mack to Joey Boza. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's former Derwin James. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not so much Justin Herbert. To me, it's more can Brandon Staley – do what he did for the Rams' defense a couple years ago, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, okay? But he made them the number one defense in the league, Can he make this Chargers defense number one because that AFC West is absolutely loaded. By the way, I think Denver gets a winning record, but I'm not convinced Denver's going to be in the playoffs. Mm. That's
2: interesting. Uh, That division could have three playoff teams,
0: if you look. Or could have four. I mean, it's not out of the realm, but yeah. they could have four. We could actually see that. I, I,
2: I think Kansas City this year, losing Tyreek Hill, they're not as good as they were last year. and Not as explosive. No, and I, I think no. that's going to be a big problem. They're going to rely on Patrick Mahomes' arm this year. And, and Patrick, you know, when the pressure comes, Patrick has been in those situations at certain parts of those games, especially against the Buffalo Bills where he didn't look as dominant as he has in, in regular season games. So I, I think when he plays the more quality teams, he, he doesn't play as well. So it's going to be they interesting. Are,
0: I, I'll tell you something, Eric. I've gone back and I've done various pieces on it. Steve spagnolo has been there three years. Yep. They got off to a terrible start in 2019. They got hot in the, late in the year and hot in the playoffs defensively. They carried that over to 2020. It fell apart by the end of 2020. The falling apart part, falling apart part, yes, (laughs) carried over into their three and four start a year ago. Then they got hot. And then late in the year in the playoffs, the defense, That I mean, it, it's Coney Island, if you like roller coasters. And so they played well in the first half against the che- uh, the Bengals, ah, and then they, right. they collapsed. Exactly. I love and, Coney and Island. We have seen, how many times have we seen, it, it, listen, Andy Reid going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't think there's any question about it. But Andy Reid has had his share of blown big leads in playoff games. He's blown an 18-point lead or more. Three times in the postseason, twice at home, while he's with the Chiefs. Remember the Marcus Mariota game. What about the Colts was one? Was Wasn't
1: what about the Colts one too? Wasn't that at home? The Colts, yes. Yeah, well at, that was at in that the was in Okay,
0: all right, right. So I mean, you know, that's that's something. That, that's definitely oh, something. you surprised the Browns. You're right about, you're right about Mahomes. Yeah. I thought last year he pressed. Yep. Because of that defense, mm-hmm. and you know, turnovers are turn. Listen, turn, this is a lead now defensively where you it's hard to find a team that really stops another team. But if they take away the ball, that's about as close. It, it's more takeaway driven. I mean, you, you probably have to go back to Denver in 2015 and Seattle in 2013 where you had a team that actually could stop people and didn't really, Now, the 2013 Seahawks had a pass rush. They had the takeaways and they had the yardage. Um, as far as stifling. That's one of the all-time great defense. I mean, it's not the 2000 Ravens, okay, which is, I mean, I've thrown this out. Chris Berman and I used to talk about this a lot. The Ravens in 2000, think about this. Think about what we see now. They played 20 games, including the playoffs, okay? They gave up 188 points in 20 games. Wow, wow. (laughs) i mean we're not that far removed from rule changes 188 points in 20 games Mm. they gave up less than 20 offensive touchdowns in this game they gave up one offensive touchdown in four playoff games wow i mean that's scary that's that's when you say all time i know we 85 bears 76 Steelers. 188 points in 20 games is, is, is that, that's something to, to behold.
1: That is 9.4 points per
2: game. You're talking that's, about the 2000 Ravens, right?
0: Yes, it, who won Super Bowl yeah. 35 when they beat the Giants. <sighs> yes, I remember I that mean, very like well. 9.4. I mean, that's uh, that's a gymnast score.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was going to, I was trying to figure out what that was.
1: I was going to guess like 12 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. 9.4. 9.4. <sighs> I,
0: mean, it's, I mean, last year, you look at you know you look at teams who gave up the fewest points and you know pretty much everybody get gave up 300 or close to 300 mm. okay and buffalo gave up the most and that was 289 in 17 games okay they give it the fewest i should say I mean, we we see teams now give up 500 points in a season. It's crazy. Well, the Jets yeah. being one of them
2: <laughs> last year. Yeah. Right, I think the Saints yeah. did that once, and it was like unheard of <laughs> to thought of. Now there's like three yeah. teams doing it every year. Yeah. I, I remember last year the Jets had that lead against the Buccaneers, and I I for sure thought that that was going to be a win for the Jets, and then all of a sudden. Tom Brady throws to a no-name wide receiver that you never heard of. He's like a fifth. after yeah, like
1: Grayson something. After yeah.
2: Antonio Brown, you know, <laughs> undresses himself and walks off the field with his two thumbs up to the Jet fans. I mean, I, I remember that game very, very well, and somehow the Buccaneers win that game. But I'm not surprised it was the Jets. And, and as a Jet fan and a lot of fellow Jet fans out there, probably just wanted to throw up because Tom Brady did it again against them. So,
0: Well, you know, It's safe to say that some people lost their shirt.
2: (laughs) Some people lost their shirt, lost their pads, and then eventually lost his virginity. (laughs) (laughs) We are
1: talking to founder pro football guru, Russell Baxter. All right. My last question back to the hall of fame. Anybody else that you think should be in the hall of fame by now, whether it's a senior guy or some of the guys that have just been on the ballot the last maybe five years, you know,
0: I I regularly do like a a top 30 list. And I, the last one I did was a year and a half ago. And I have to redo the list because five guys actually got in that uh, five of the it has nothing to do with me. Cliff branch was one. Um, Labore Butler was one. Mm-hmm. Um Tony Baselli was one. And I can't think of the fifth one right off the top of my head. That like again, there's a uh, Randy or Chuck Cowley, Clay Matthews, you know, just some Roger Craig, uh, Roman Gabriel, um, there's so many guys from so many different eras, you know. And again, I'm gonna depending isn't on what's Dorrell
2: Rivas on that? Is he, he's isn't... one of the new ones this
0: year. Yeah. yeah. He should yeah, well, yeah, ballot. he's not. Yeah, Revis isn't. Yeah. I only did this one guy's. Oh, gotcha, quality.
2: gotcha, gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now I know when I redo the list that I know Devin Hester's going to be on there yes, because I thought he absolutely. was a first ballot. It, you know what's very unusual about the Hall of Fame this year? Um, nobody was first ballot.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Nobody was first ballot. Okay, Dick Vermeil's a coach that uh, so he's been waiting for a while. Art McNally. That's a contributor thing, so that's not necessarily a ballot thing. And Cliff Branch was on the Seniors Committee. Mm. But the five modern-day guys that went in, none of them were first ballot. I I was thinking the first ballot guys would have been Devin Hester and DeMarcus Ware. Yeah. So the, there's a couple guys I would add to the list. And then, you know, whoever winds up being, uh, you know, as we whittle down and so on. But again, I'm going to be very, very curious to see how the Senior Committee Whittles down to three. And again, they're going to do that in a couple of years. So but remember, we had the centennial class a couple of years ago where they, you know, added 15 guys. So again, the league is I'm not the league, the hall is doing its best mm. to get rid of some such backlog and so on. Again, you think about it, you know, I often hear people say, Well, there's 362 players in the hall of fame. It's not 362 players. That's including the coaches, and that's including the contributors. And so on. So, not the writers. There is no writers' wing in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You get there are awards uh, that the, the Dick McCann Award does not put you, give you a bust in the Hall of Fame. And, and trust me, I know a lot of guys who won the Dick McCann Award, the Pete Roselle Award for television and radio. That's not, you know, Howard Katz got it this year from the NFL Network, who, you know, I worked with it when I was at ESPN and so on. So, um, it's a relatively small. Group, if you think about the fact that the hall has been around, what's well, the math? Sixty years now, basically sixty classes. Yeah, I should
2: be in the hall of fame. The way they they pick people. Oh, I don't agree with that <laughs> on that.
0: When Dion, I, I got to tell you, when Dion said what he said the other day, you really caught me off guard. Uh-huh. I mean, if you want a different color jacket, I mean, you know, dye it.
1: <laughs> Maybe a Terrell
2: Owens will get the same thing. Well, I feel bad for Terrell Owens. I, I, do. I, as good as crazy as he is, and how big, how big of a big mouth he is on and off the field. The guy was a first ballot Hall of Famer. For anybody to say that he wasn't, it was disrespectful for the the committee committee to not vote him in as a first ballot Hall of Fame. They let Randy Moss go in, but not Terrell Owens. Which, by the way, Terrell Owens was a much better player than Randy Moss. As good as Randy Moss was. Go look at the numbers. Terrell Owens was a much better player than Randy Moss was. So, and that's now, the argument
0: for, first off, two things. Go back and look at the modern-day wide receivers, Errol. How many are first ballot? Uh... Less than ten.
2: Probably less than ten.
0: And uh no, probably definitely Andre Johnson should be there. Uh who Andre Johnson should be there. Right. Well we'll see. Yeah. And so I mean Marvin Harrison wasn't first ballot. No. That's pretty startling. Mm. Okay. Owens obviously wasn't first ballot. Mm. Guys like Art Monk and Chris Carter and Lynn Swan all waited for years and years. If I had a gripe about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It would be the wide They They seem torn between the older players and the newer numbers. Mm. Okay. Because now we have like 14 guys who have caught a thousand passes. That was almost unheard of a long time ago. But the other thing about Terrell Owens, and this is just what you hear in the background and stuff, the fact that he was a disruptive force, Within the organization, nothing to do with off the field. I think about To didn't get in any trouble off the field.
3: Mm.
0: Okay, the fact that he was disruptive, you know, with the what we saw with the Eagles, what we saw with the Cowboys. I think it's going to be one of those things that down the road, because of what happened, probably more what happened with the Raiders and with the Buccaneers. Antonio Brown has Hall of Fame numbers.
3: Mm.
0: Okay. But the fact that he got in a confrontation with Mike Mayock, he decided to do, you know, a magic Mike <laughs> <laughs> against the Jets. That's the kind, I mean, and walked off the field. That's the stuff. That's the stuff that costs you with the voters and so on. And by the time some of these guys retire, who knows what the voting committee is going to look like. So might even be bigger. The one thing I will remind people, because I hear a lot about media, 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 guys like Dan Fouts, Tony Dungy, James Lofton are all Hall of Fame voters. Hmm. So it's not just media members. I mean, they're in the media now, but it's not just media members. These are guys who are Hall of Fame players or a Hall of Fame coach. Bill Polian is one as well. Hmm.
2: Well, Russ, we really appreciate your time as always. We'll be in touch. We'll get you on. Very, very soon. Uh, the last time we had John was, uh, what was
1: it? Last year. It was last year. Was I want to like get October John. Like I
2: want to get John as the season progressively starts. Uh, I, I want to see like third or fourth week. I'd like to get you on and your thoughts of some of these teams and, and, and what you think of the AFC and the NFC. But we really appreciate your time. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media.
0: DAX Football Guru on Twitter is probably the best thing you can do because I tweet out everything I write. And whether you like it or not, you're getting it. It's kind of like Liam Neeson. I have a special set of skills. Okay? I will find you, and I will follow you.
2: (laughs) Taken. I love that movie, by the way. I I watch, every time it's on TV, I watch Taken 1, Taken 2, Taken 3. I I love the movies. I'm waiting for Taken 4 to come out, but uh, his wife is gone, so I doubt he's making another one. But, uh, again, we really appreciate you joining us, and we'll talk to you soon, Russ.
0: You guys have a great night. Thanks. A lot of fun.
2: Absolutely. Russell Baxter, ladies and gentlemen, the founder of Pro Football Guru, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to Pooter, right? Pewter. Why do you why do you But it? Give me like a, a abbreviation here or something. Pewter Report Buccaneers beat writer JC Allen here on the Sports Loud Mounts.
1: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouth.
2: We are back, ladies and gentlemen. 631 8 This is the Sports Loudmouth. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ah, uh, what a, what an awesome awesome interview by pro football guru Russell Baxter. I love Russ. Russ, me and Russ have known each other for a very long time. I was introduced by Mark Everett Kelly to Russ. And we've been friends ever since. Uh, I definitely, uh, we go back and forth. He hits me up on Instant Messenger all the time. He worked for ESPN. Really, really smart guy. Guys, you got to read his stories. His, his stories are fantastic. They're really, really good stories. Uh, but our second guest, this is the first time he's been on our show. Very happy to have him on. We are now talking to Pewter Report Buccaneers beat writer, J.C. Allen. J.C., what's going on, man?
3: are you doing, guys? How's everything going tonight?
2: We are good. We we would like to apologize for leaving you hanging for the last couple of minutes. <laughs> well, you know, we like to be on time, and we want to make sure that our guests are happy. Uh, hopefully, you're not ready to jump off a of plank, because as a Yankee fan, I'm about to. So, uh, I, mean, uh, I mean...
3: I think you got a little more cause for concern. I'm a Red Sox fan, so uh, you uh, guys are in a little better position than we are right now.
2: Yeah, well, not the way they're playing. I mean, they've scored one run in three games. I mean, they've been absolutely horrible for a team that was the best team in baseball going into the second half. Uh, just absolute horrible play by the New York Yankees. But how are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh, obviously, we haven't had you on the show, uh, but how are you and your family doing with the COVID 19 situation?
3: Uh, we're good. It, it hit the home a few times, mm-hmm. but nothing we couldn't get through. So, you know, just kind of, we're down in Florida, so it doesn't really exist down here.
2: <laughs> That's right. But, you know. Well, to, after all the stuff that's going on here and now people are suing and, you know, forcing people to get vaccination. I think it was a North, Shore, uh, North Shore Hospital was sued for $10.5 million and, and the people won. So anybody that was fired from their job got $25,000 and can be rehired by North Shore. And anybody that took the, was forced to take the vaccination will get $3,000 for their, taking the vaccine. It's crazy. It's crazy what's going on and how many different things that could happen in the future because of these vaccinations. So I don't want to get into it. No politics here. We're here to talk sports. But uh, why don't we get into it? Um, in the offseason, everybody thought Tom Brady's career was over. He retired. Uh, he goes and watches Christian Ronaldo, uh, a, a soccer player, one night. And then all of a sudden, within 24 hours, you you hear that he's coming back uh, he's coming out of retirement and and, and it, this is a completely different look Buccaneers team that it would have been. So what was the reason in your opinion on why Tom Brady decided to retire and then all of a
3: sudden come back as fast as he did? 40 days is a stay-at-home dad, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, the competition was there. I think he was sour with the way that the season ended. Um, and kind of made a rash decision. Everyone was kind of pressuring. What, what is he going to do? What are you going to retire? This and that. Um, and then it kind of leaked out that he was going to retire after time away from the from you know the organization from football. Time to self reflect. He realized, hey, I've got still got that competitive spirit. You know, probably should have been the MVP award winner last year with the things that did with the numbers he put up. Um, and I think that you know, just having that desire to come back and compete and, and, and finish things on a different level, different note. Um, kind of overruled everything, overruled the decisions that to walk away. He, he's always said he wanted to play to 45, just turned 45, and I think you know that was a, a big draw as well. You know, I'm going to play to 45, I'm going to play to 45. and uh, So he came back, uh, and the reason why he came back so quickly was because free agency was about to start, and he didn't want to unretire. He, he said in a, in a press conference um, after he unretired, I would have loved to unretire in June or July, but I needed to make a decision to let them know what their plans are. He wasn't going to come back to a team that was depleted of talent because people weren't going to stay. Um, so he, he told them on the of free agency. First call was to Ryan Jensen, who is now out with an injury for an undetermined uh, time, a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that it was all right, everybody Tom's back. Let's go get on board. And you know, you saw the kind of trickle effect of not only guys re-signing, but, you know, signings like a Russell gauge. And then obviously, you know, most recently Julio Jones, Kyle Rudolph, Carl Nassib, you know, so Akeem Hicks was another one. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you have the goat, everyone wants to play with them and they'll take a little bit less money to do so. And uh, that was part of the reason why he needed to make that decision so soon. So, so obviously this is the last year of his contract and there's a lot of speculation
1: of last or last offseason he was going to go to the Niners then we heard the Dolphins stuff with him them tampering to get him this offseason. Do you see him leaving Tampa after this year and retiring or do you think maybe he could even stay one more year maybe on a franchise tag?
3: Uh well there's a prohibit prohibits in his contract that he can't be franchise tagged. So okay. If he does want to play this year, those opportunities are available. The Dolphins, I think, was more about an ownership deal. I know there was rumors floating around that, you know, him and Sean Payton were going to go down there and play together, and that was part of the tampering. But I think that was more of an ownership deal that he was approached with an opportunity. But the Dolphins wanted him. I mean, they talked to him when who's still a Patriot in 2019 and continued through 2020 and through 2021. So I'm not necessarily sure that's a, that's a spot he would go. You look at the team constructed, it's a little bit better. The offensive line is not well. Uh, we, we just saw that when they played the Bucks. So, I mean, obviously the wide receivers there. The defense is pretty damn solid. Um, they've got a good tight end, good running backs. Uh, it's a different system, though. Uh, same thing with San Francisco. I don't know if that that just that West Coast offense, that run first system, kind of fits what Tom Brady does best. So, you know, Florio is out there saying all these things, and he was right about some of it. But I, I don't. I think this is his last year. I think he walks away um, and, and does goes into that TV role where he's got like a $335 million contract waiting for him over the next 10 years. So I think that's the next step. Gives him the ability to do more things off the field with his production companies. Obviously, he's heavily involved with the Brady brand. Autograph um, is another one of his companies. So he's got a lot going on behind the scenes other than just playing football this year. And I think going to announcing level, he's still going to put the work in. It's not like he's just going to show up on Sundays and be like, "All right, what's the, what's the what's the roster sheet look like?" <laughs> but I think it, it gives him more flexibility to focus on not just his family, but other other projects he's got going on as well. We are talking to Pewter Report
2: Buccaneers beat writer J C Allen. You mentioned that three hundred and forty million dollar contract uh, TV deal that he got. This this is a guy that's never been a broadcaster, never been an analyst, but for some reason. Uh, After he retires, he's getting the biggest contract in professional sports history. I understand he's the GOAT, as everybody calls him, and he's one of the greatest quarterbacks, one of the greatest athletes to ever step on a football field, a a sports field, in in his professional sport. But what bothers me about this is you look at all these different analysts, and again, I'm not taking shots at Tom Brady because he took the contract. I'm going to take the contract, too, if somebody's offering me $340 million. But we saw what that we saw what NBC did to Drew Brees. Okay, they absolutely terminated their his contract the way they did. Now all of a sudden, ladies and gentlemen, you you see Tom Brady get this contract. Now this is guaranteed money. They decide to walk away from him. He gets all of that money, guys. This is not a Drew Brees contract. So, what are your thoughts to the contract that he got? Do you? I understand you're going to say it was well taken. But do you think a uh, somebody that has no experience whatsoever in a booth to take that kind of money and 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 move forward as something that he's never been in his
3: whole career? I'll tell you one thing: Tom Brady's first game, the ratings are going to be through the roof. Oh,
2: absolutely.
3: So tune in, and that's one hundred percent. Yes what this deal is all about. He gives everything he has into everything he does. That's on the football field. That's what there's all of his other companies that he's involved with. And that's going to be the same thing with the boot. So, you know, you look at guys like Tony Romo, Troy Aikman, other quarterbacks, you know, the Manning brothers, who are kind of more of a laid back yes. situation. But, you know, you look at what these guys have been able to do, make that transition, and I think he's going to be fine. Brady and the Mannings. That would have been <laughs> Well, he was approached by ESPN, CBS, NBC. They all wanted him. He ended up going to Fox because he had relationships with, you know, the executives in that, in that office. So I think it'll be fine. And I think the biggest reason why, why he was offered that money is because first of all, he can command that much money and he's not going to do anything for less than what he thinks he's worth. And, You know, after years and years of years of taking less on the football field to put great teams around him, broadcasting companies don't really have to do that. (laughs) You want my services? Pay up for them. Absolutely. Um, And like I said, he's going to draw eyes, he's going to draw viewers, um, and it's going to be something, you know, the term... The length was a little bit shocking, 10-year yes. deal. It's ridiculous. Um, Unbelievable. Sure if there's like an opt-out or something like that, but or, or what kind of what? Guaranteed. The
2: money is guaranteed, no matter right. opting out or anything. It is guaranteed. Right. Could you imagine? He is making more money in the 10 years as a broadcaster than he made his whole career as an NFL yep. quarterback. That's crazy.
3: It's crazy, but, you know, he is the GOAT, as you said, the greatest of all time. Well, I know, didn't say that. You said it. That's a, a good, 90% right. of people yes, say man. it.
1: Just not you. <laughs>
3: he's a goat for a reason. And, and you know, everyone wants a piece of him. Everyone's gonna want a piece of him. And I'm sure he had multiple companies bidding for him. And hey, can't can't knock the hustle. Well, don't he's tell trying, his wife that everybody own wants own. a piece of him. <laughs> he's trying to own a franchise at some point. So I mean you gotta build up that worth.
1: <laughs> I just want about the band cast just so Eli could troll him as a Giants fan.
3: <laughs> yeah, all, right, all right. So All I'm 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 right. I'm from uh, right outside of Boston, so I don't want to talk about the Giants. At all. all right, fine. We won't. <laughs> we'll, talk the, we'll talk about the Jets all we want, you know, or the um, Bills. Please. But let's leave, let's leave the Giants out of the conversation. Please, let's not bring the Jets up either.
2: Please. Uh, <laughs> what do you want? I want to attack the Jets. Is that what you want to do? No, 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 I
3: mean, the, the, the Pats have done enough of that throughout the year, so I don't
2: think. I, I, obviously you're a Pats fan, so thank you.
3: <laughs> I'm sure, sure you were joined with the, with the Buccaneers. Came the Buccaneers went to go sign Tom Brady working for them, <laughs> you know, being a Patriots fan. I'm sure that would be a good yeah, thing, yeah. It just you know happened. I moved down here the year before, so I was like, yeah. Oh, Tom, Tom for the Bucks, beautiful. <laughs>
2: <You know? laughs> now and, I can write I about Tom again.
3: It. Then I just kind of fell into this field and, you know, over the last, you know, two and some, two and a half years about, I've, you know, kind of built myself into this, you know, beat writer. Congratulations, by the way. So it was great. It was all pretty much, I mean, obviously I put the work in and hustled and grinded, but you know without tom brady coming to the bucks i probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys right now so hey no you still would because speedy would be reaching out to you no matter what <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm professional i don't i don't hold fan fan grudges no and he, he he doesn't care how many people are following you if he he believes you're going to be a good Guest, we're gonna we're gonna interview you, and we're gonna have some fun. So that's what we'd like to do. We're not like all the other radio shows. We we'll interview you if you're an ex athlete, you're a top athlete, you're an ex analyst, or you're even a small writer for an uh, under under named company. We would still interview you, especially if we think that you're going to be a good guest on the show. So we really appreciate you joining us. But uh, oh God, Uh, uh, we are talking to uh, Pewter report Buccaneers beat writer JC Allen. So JC, let's go into the division right now. And the Buccaneers right now, a lot of people believe are the Superman of that division because even though they've they've lost some pieces in the offseason, they also kept a lot of the pieces in stay and and now you look at the team as a whole, everybody still believes that the Buccaneers are the favorites in the division. What about the Saints? Are, when, you, when you think of the Saints, you think of the Carolina Panthers, who might have gotten better with Baker Mayfield. Might have not. I mean, who knows? Where does this division lay out for the Buccaneers?
3: You know, I think you look at the, the Panthers. They had one of the best defenses in the league last year. They have solid weapons around them with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, um, the, the guy they drafted out of LSU, Terrence... Terrence Marshall, yeah. Marshall, uh, yeah, thank you. Christian McCaffrey's back there. Um, they, they've got a really good offensive weapon. Their line has been trash, and you know, and now they've got Baker and Sam Darnold. Looks like Baker is probably going to win that yeah. competition. But I mean, that doesn't entice you with a bad line and Baker Mayfield. He had one of the best lines in all of football last year. And you could see, I mean, he played through some bumps and bruises and some injuries as well, but you could see that, you know, he still wasn't getting the job done. So to think that he's going to make that leap in a different system, a different offense in Carolina, I just don't see that potentially happening. As far as the saints, the saints, you know, Every year it seems like they're a hundred million billion trillions of the cap, and they end up adding all these different pieces to the roster. Now they did have some losses and stuff like that, but you know, Michael Thomas is coming back. It looks like Alvin Kamara won't be suspended this year. Uh, you know, they did lose lose Teron Armstead, but they, they went out and drafted a guy. That's Trevor Penning who's been fighting everybody in practice, including his own teammates. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Great. It's great. You know, they brought in Chris Olave. So they've got the offensive weapons on defense. They still have some good pieces there on the defensive line, uh, in the linebacking core with Demario Davis. uh, And then they kind of rebuilt their secondary a little bit with, uh, You know, Marshawn Lattimore and then bringing in Marcus May and Tyran Matthews. So they've still got some really good pieces over there. It all comes back down to what Bucks fans know best is Jameis Winston ball. How is he going to do? Is he going to – are they going to keep the training wheels? Uh, Not even the training wheels. He was on like one of those balance bikes for like two-year-olds last year. They didn't let him do anything really. I think we should
2: all bring him some, you know, a couple of plates of like uh, – Crab legs? Crab legs, and I think that will make him play better. Just don't have
3: him take an Uber there. That's (laughs) all
2: Uh, well, well, I'm not
3: they, gonna sit back there with him either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean it just it really comes down to what Jameis, you know, what what are they gonna let Jameis do? Are they gonna let him open it up and, and you know, kind of do what he does, but then that's the flip side. If he does what he does, we saw thirty touchdowns, five thousand yards his last season with, with the with the Buccaneers, but he also had 30 interceptions and five fumbles and you know he had five of those interceptions that were dropped so he would have had like 40 turnovers in one year which is just outlandish for a quarterback so a lot's going to depend on him but I think you look at the Bucs team they're still the cream of the crop I mean they are still have one of the best rosters in the NFL, let alone the division, top to bottom. Obviously, there's a couple questions about that center spot and left guard. Everything I've seen from Robert Haynesy filling in for Ryan Jensen, who still, you know, we still have not ha- heard an official diagnosis off of. From what I'm hearing, it looks like it might not need surgery. Something that it will heal on its own. It's going for a second evaluation here in Indy in about a week and a half, um, and we'll really find out what's going on with that. But there's a chance that he could return late November, early December. Uh, or potentially for a playoff push. But Robert Hainsey, what I've seen from him so far, has been really encouraging. He's going against Vita Vey and Akeem Hicks every day in practice. Mm-hmm. Those guys will give Corey Lindsley, who's regarded as like the best center in the league, uh, the the work and uh, and be a real problem for him. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's been able to hand his own, plant Vita Vey on his ass once or twice uh, is really encouraging. The left guard position, listen, Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and as you guys know from watching him, he can make whoever – on that interior off as long as he's got some good tackles you can make whoever on that interior line look good he had a a wrestler and steven neal come in and be almost a pro bowl guard you know he's won super bowls with undrafted free agents at guard and center positions like he's i think whoever wins that left guard position they'll be fine you know will they struggle maybe against some guys and and force brady to get out the ball out a little quicker than he wants to Probably, but Brady had the second quickest release last year. And, and to go with that, it, he had one of the highest depth of targets. You know, Ben Roethlisberger had the quickest release last year, but his depth of target was like four yards. So, <laughs> you know, no wonder Najee
1: Harris had 70 catches last maybe year.
3: Maybe he's the one that needs a bicycle. Right, <laughs> no, right. You know, Brady had, you know, again, you know, the most yards, the most throws over 20 yards down the field, most completions. So, I mean, he, he's, he's, can. He'll be he'll be fine in that aspect, but you look at every other position, wide receiver. I don't need to talk about that. I mean, we're talking about battling for that five, six, potential seven spot with guys who are going to be three, fours on on any other team in the in the NFL. Tight end, they went up upgraded. You know, not upgraded. Certainly not upgraded, but, uh, you know, upgraded their depth, at least, over O.J. Howard with Kyle Rudolph. Cam Brates there. They drafted Dot in the fourth round, who's looked really good, has really good chemistry with Brady. Uh, co Keith, who they drafted in the sixth round, this mauling, blocking beast. Already had a pancake in the preseason game and plowed away uh, and, and a fullback role, which is something that, you know, we didn't expect and the Bucs haven't utilized uh, for a touchdown in that Miami game as well in the preseason um, you know, you look at what they have at running back with Leonard Fournette. Rashad White's looked really good. They got Giovanni Bernard still back there, one of the best pass-catching backs in the last 10 years, one of the best pass-blocking backs in the last 10 years. And then they still have Keyshawn Vaughn, who's really turned the corner there. So that offense is locked and loaded, and they have phenomenal depth in the interior spots as well in case one of these guys get injured. Aaron Stinney, who, I, I in my opinion, is going to be the, one of the backups, and I think Nick Leverett. Uh, an undrafted free agent from two years ago is going to win that left guard spot. Started three games in the playoffs, including the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. So they've got great depth on that side. And you flip over the defensive side, and it's the same thing. You know, Akeem Hicks and Vita Vea right there up front. Logan Hall, who they drafted in the, in the top of the second round this mm-hmm. year. Will Golston, consummate pro, 10 years with the Bucks, had his best sack totals last year at five. Uh, Nacho, Rakeem nunez Rochez brings the intensity every time he's out there. And then Pat O'Connor is another guy who's really started to come on and, and started getting sacks and really kind of developing on that defensive line. So depth is crazy there. Outside linebacker, Shaq Barrett and Joe Trantrenka, their first-round pick from 2020, who's – Look really good in camp so far. Athletic size, speed, power, strength. Like, he brings all, he's got all that to the table. Anthony Nelson had five sacks last year. Had a good showing with a sack and a tackle for loss in that Miami game. Then he just re-signed Carl Nassib if the depth wasn't good enough, you know, there. Who's had his best NFL season in this Buccaneers offense under Todd Bowles. Levante David and Devin White, two of the best linebackers in the league. Both rated top ten according to. Uh, NFL execs, players, and coaches. Also named the best duo out of any uh, in the NFL of linebackers as well by execs, players, and coaches. Moving on to secondary, they got Carlton Davis, who's one of the most underrated cornerbacks who can shut down some of the top receivers. Anytime you can hold Devontae Adams to six yards, six catches for 66 yards, that's a win <laughs> with no scores. And then Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, they'll battle on the outside. And then the safety room, you got Antoine Winfield Jr., who's a potential All Pro. Uh, They brought in Keanu Neal. They got Logan Ryan and Mike Edwards, who's a ball hawk, who had two pick sixes last year. So, top to bottom, there's depth everywhere on this roster. So, last year, they were hammered with injuries. This year, they've made sure they're protected if injuries occur. And I think that sets them apart from any team in that division. And, of course, they have the greatest quarterback of all time, Helming. you know. In your eyes,
1: time. not mine. <laughs> see, see, the Buccaneers could easily, could easily use their fullback more. They just have to line up Vita Vea there. It's just uh, perfect.
3: He was the guy back there. I know, Battle.
1: and they didn't do it enough. I, I'm like, what are they going to run him in? And then they get stuffed on the goal line three times with, like, a smaller back. I'm like, no, just run Vita Vea. i You just want to
3: see a fat man touchdown. You oh, know, yeah. That's a fast-
1: I love Vita Vea. So uh, you mentioned all the offensive line injuries, so that was my next question, so we'll skip that. But uh, Chris Godwin's injury actually making very good progress with that. Uh, tore his ACL at the end of last season, hurt them in the playoffs against the Rams, but making very good recovery. Everyone's thinking, all right, he might be out half the season. But what have you seen from him so far in training camp and the preseason that a little bit that he's done?
3: Well, we had one of his teammates on our podcast, uh, the Pewter Report podcast, and he said, Chris Godwin's going to be ready by week one, and we're like, Why are you crazy? Like, he's at ACL, he hasn't even started practicing or whatnot. He's like, No, he's going to be ready. And then, lo and behold, training camp starts. And guess who's not on PUP? It's Chris Godwin. He sits out the first like week and a half, and then he's out. Then, we all of a sudden randomly we just see him out there, he's stretching, he's doing individual drills. Today was a huge milestone because he was out there doing seven on seven drills, um, and he looked Good, like fluid in and out of his cuts, no hesitation. Wow. Start, stop. Um, you know, and, and part of the reason too, I think, because his his injury came from a dirty hit. It wasn't when you see players who like the Achilles or the ACL or, or one of those injuries when it's just an open field injury, no, you know, non contact. They have this this hesitancy to you know do certain moves or put certain cut certain way and, and stuff like that because in the back of their mind, they're like, Oh, you know, this was a freak accident. What if I cut wrong this way? Could it happen again? But with like a contact injury, you know, we'll see how he does when contact comes, but I feel like it, it doesn't get into players' heads as much. Um, so like, you know, he's, he's looked good. He's looked just like Chris Gowen. Again, seven on sevens. You're not tackling, you're not jamming at the line. No one, you know, the, the rest of the guys aren't out there, but so far today, and what I saw from practice and the, in the, in the catches that he made, He looked like Chris Gowen, and that's just bad news for the rest of the league.
2: We are talking to Pewter Report, Buccaneers beat writer J.C. Allen, Um, Todd Bowles. Now, we all know here in New York all about the Todd Bowles, you know, uh, I guess you could say tryout. And I say tryout because he was here for three years and he was done. What are your thoughts of Todd Bowles taking over a Buccaneers team, a veteran Buccaneers team, from a team that he took over for Rex Ryan that was more of a young, you know, rebuilding New York Jet team? What What are your thoughts to Todd Bowles in his first year as the Buccaneers head coach?
3: Well, I think he learned a lot in New York. You know, that first season he had success. Well, losing,
2: that's what it's called.
3: Well, first season he had success, I think one. I think you had ten wins that ten first season. Ten and six, and didn't make the playoffs. Figure that one out.
2: Lost the next um, ride
1: at the end of the season.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and then you look at the next couple seasons, and I mean, do you got do you want to rattle the quarterbacks he had starting? Because please, I know the list is is not pleasant to Jets fans ears so if I mean if you want me to wrap it's hard to win with with a team like that and there were some things in the front office as you know it wasn't cohesive. Um, so I think he learned a lot from that and I think one of the best parts about him stepping into this role is the staff is already in place. And it's already guys he's comfortable with. Most of them are friends from that have worked together in multiple spots, whether that was in Arizona, in New York, back with the Buccaneers. There's so much. And of course, you mentioned the veteran team. The yes. team is set up really. So, you know, this first year, I think. It's gonna be smooth. There's nothing gonna there's not gonna be any issues. i will put in some of his do own. Do you remember
2: on. do you remember Todd Bowles with the New York Jets? Do you remember the uh questionable uh calls at the end of the game, calling timeouts, not calling timeouts, not kicking a field goal? I try not to from, watch from, Jets games. I mean I know <laughs> but, you're not a Jet fan, but I, I remember Todd Bowles very, very well what as a experience. New York Jet fan. Oh, an experience. Definitely something we'll <laughs> always experience. Todd I want to throw up balls, okay?
3: <laughs> and I, and I think those are learning experiences too, you know. And, and you know, you grow as a coach by going through stuff like that. You know, if you're if you're losing, you're learning, is what I like to say. Um, you know, for the most part, <laughs> some some people don't get it, but you know, <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's gonna be fine. Next year is gonna be a little bit different. Brady's gonna be gone. Yes, there's potential that he might lose Byron Leftwich as his offensive coordinator. If More you know, likely, yeah. I'm sure – going to have a, a really good season and someone will want to hire him. He almost went to the Jaguars, but they didn't want to, you know, fire their GM, which I don't blame him for not going there. Guy opened up his pocketbook for, for like he was a guy with a debit card before the divorce papers kicked in, just signing all the all these different Christian Kirk to $85 million contracts. <laughs> don't worry. So, Doug Peterson won't be there that long either.
2: Trust me. <laughs> you
3: know, I, I think it'll be fine. There, there's been a few differences noticed already in practice, a lot more onus on situational work, a uh, lot less cussing on the field with Bruce Arians retired oh, now. Oh, God, please. Um, but I I think, you know, this first season is, is going to be pretty much cut and dry. You know, he's going to let Byron and Brady kind of run the offense. He's going to worry about the defense. He's got Casey Rogers and Larry Foote as his co-defensive coordinators. He's got Harold Goodwin as his Just assistant.
2: remember, just remember, JC, he did the same with the Jets,
3: it, you didn't it, have Brady with the ah, Jets. The, the, he, no, you
1: didn't have Brady. No, no he, had, he, he had Bucks legend Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right, even <laughs> better, <laughs> the even legend better. of three games. Hey, hey,
3: it's magic down here. That's right. Like that. right. I the do three not game believe.
1: legend, and then all of a sudden you went back to Javis Jameis so Winston. The season fell apart.
2: I do not all believe right. in Fitz magic. Okay, just so you know.
3: You know what? He's gonna be over at Amazon, so you can tell oh, Yippee, to Skippy to Magic over at Amazon. But no, I think um, you know, I, I think just the way the team's set up, it's it's almost just like plug and play. You yeah. know, this is like this is the if this were to go to you know open candidacy with Bruce Arians, you know, walking away and not naming Todd Bowles and then doing a the search, you could put I could go in there and, and run this this. You know, this team Listen to him. He was very much hands off those final it. years of his of his career, really letting his coaches do everything and kind of putting his input and really controlling the game day aspect of things. So I, I think this is going to be a very easy transition for him this first season. Next season is gonna be different. You know, you're gonna have a new quarterback Coach attention. Allen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think you'll you'll have these different situations come up next year that it will be interesting to see how he resolves them, how he solves them, and how he handles them going forward. So in terms of the whole NFC, obviously the Rams have beaten beat the Bucs in
1: the playoffs last year, but outside of them, are there any other big threats that you think can stop the Buccaneers in the playoffs besides them? It's not the Cowboys. <laughs>
3: Not the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, it, you know, I think you've got to still put Green Bay in that mix, too. I know they've lost a lot of wide receiving depth, and, and to be quite honest, Alan Lazard is the number one, Romeo Dubes, uh, Christian Watson, who I was very high on, and Sammy Watkins, who can't stay healthy. Those <laughs> don't scare me. And, and the thing about the, the Packers is they're going to be, okay, they're going to be more of a run-stopping team. Well, how did that work out with you the last two two contests against the Bucks, It didn't. Um, so, but you know, there's a chance that everything kind of clicks and they catch the magic. Um, no, other than that, I, 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 maybe San Francisco, if Trey Lance takes that step, they've got a pretty solid defense, not uh, offensive (laughs) (laughs) weapons, but I don't, I don't know. And then the same thing, there's question marks around there. I think the Rams are are the most likely Mm -hmm. now there's question marks around Stafford's arm, you know? Okay, great. It starts, starts off during the season. Fine. But does it, does it? We're down after throwing, you know, 600 passes by the time, you know, they get to the Bucks game or, or the playoffs rather. So, like, you know, where is that that question mark? They lost Von Miller. Um, you know, I know they added Robert Woods after losing Odo Beckham. and Well, not potentially losing Odo Beckham, but also losing. Uh,
1: not Robert, Robert Woods,
3: Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, yes, thank you. Uh, but they're getting Cam Akers back, but now he's dealing with a soft tissue injury. So, you know, they lost their second their – their, They did uh, start add of- a
2: beast of a man at linebacker too, my friends. You forget who one of the best linebackers in the league. So yeah? you, you lost Von Miller, but you gained another beast.
3: Yeah, you game Bobby Wagner more of an inside linebacker than really an edge rusher. He's not going to give you that same – I oops, call him the Seattle um, bomber. That's what I call him. <laughs> <laughs> they lost the number two <laughs> cornerback. They lost the number two cornerback out they there. Did. They lost- safety uh, so they've got a lot of question marks on their on their team as well mm. plus that Super Bowl hangover we've seen it happen we saw it last year with the Bucs um, even though I think the Bucs would have won that game if they had even a healthy body at wide receiver they had Cam Braid out there playing split out as a wide receiver by the time that game was over and literally they're you know probably one bad call away from going to overtime so or you know fall down Sean Murphy Bunting um, so I mean, you know. He's definitely a buccaneer's writer. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that there's many teams. Eagles are a question mark yes, as well. I like the Eagles this year. I like them a lot. I think they can. You know, if, if Jalen hurts, who I'm a big, i big Jalen Hurts fan. I think if he can put it all together, they finally have the weapons on offense for him. They have a you know really solid defense. Jordan Davis just looks like an absolute <laughs> animal on the field, just pushing people out of. He's his throwing spread. people. He's pushing people. He's pushing the lines, man. <laughs> yeah, he's got the whole line in his arms. Just pushing. Back. You saw the video of this. The center just like bunny hopping back. Just buddy you know, so. it looked like he was carrying more of the reason for the Vita Vea for fullback movements. Right, exactly. It looked like a scene out of the blind side or something. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't really know the competition right now, guys, is in the AFC. Like that's yeah. where the that's where the quarterbacks are. That's where. The complete D teams are. You're talking about the Bills, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, the Raiders to an extent. Not like, the Jets. <laughs> no, not the Jets. Not the Jets. You, you not know, yet. The not yet. The Jets. There's like there are so many teams in that in that AF in that AFC um, conference right now that you know it's it's going to be a, a battle. And you saw a lot of the wide receiver and weapons, offensive weapons, go to that division. You saw a lot of quarterbacks move to that division. So. I think the NFC is kind of wide open. If the Bucks stay healthy, I don't think they should have a problem. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to say getting the one seed because they have a very difficult schedule, but at least finishing, you know, in that top three. I don't think they have a seed lower than three. I think they should still be the favorite, even if they don't have a, have the road go through, you know, Tampa Bay, because they proved they can win up in Lambeau in the cold, you know, so mm-hmm. it's... I just think they have the best shot.
2: As a Jet fan, I'm not happy for all the quarterbacks that decided to come to the (laughs) AFC because now we have to contend with Russell Wilson. We're going to have to see Derek Carr here and there. We're going to have to see all these quarterbacks. So maybe Lamar Jackson decides to leave Baltimore and head over there to the NFC. That would be nice. So we don't have to see Lamar anymore. But uh, then you yeah, have Kenny Pickett. Uh, watch, Kenny Pickett becomes an all-world quarterback <laughs> too. I mean, it's just the Jets lock. That's what usually happens. So, uh, man, as a Jet fan, I just, I for once, I mean, Mac Jones is the,
3: is is the truth. You got Josh Allen. Uh, hold we'll on, on
2: hold, hold do. on, hold on, Mister Patriot fan. Hold on, and I and I'm one of the guys that liked Mac Jones. Every Patriot fan wanted to jump off a bridge, and I said. I like Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is going to be a good quarterback. But for you to say he's the truth.
3: It's l- the truth in that offense. He's not like MVP level, but in that offense, well, we'll what they ask we'll quarterbacks to do. I think he's gonna be. I well, think We'll in.
2: see. I. I mean, look who your offensive coordinator is. Please. I mean, I don't know
3: uh, who is it. Which they, one is it? I don't know. <laughs> don't on what happened, is I guess. <laughs>
2: Why don't we just roll the dice and, and ask uh, Bill Belichick at the end of the game who your offensive coordinator is? Well, he hasn't
3: even named the defensive coordinator, and his son is on the team. <laughs> like he, he doesn't care. He, like, he's the he's
2: the defensive coordinator. Everybody yeah. knows they're gonna run the defense through him. Uh, and that's why he has these it's defensive... Like he
3: finally moves. hit on a wide receiver, at least, though. Hey, I well, mean, Taekwondo go. looked good, you know. In and he got first Parker.
2: Time. I think Parker might have a good season. Devontae Parker's a good player. Yeah, you know, when he's
3: healthy. Yeah. Just I don't mean, draft that. him in fantasy, because if you draft him in fantasy, he's going to be hurt. <laughs> it's just how it goes. You're
2: absolutely him. right, and I'm not drafting yeah. him, trust me. Especially no. being that he's playing for the Patriots, okay? No. So, I'm not... I never draft a Patriot, ever. So... <laughs> You will not see me draft Devontae Parker. And I love Devontae Parker. I followed him in college. I followed him in the NFL. I I think a lot of fans just hated on him in Miami. And I and he never got the credit when he did play well on the field. He never got the credit on how good of a player he is. And now he's going to a Patriot team that I think he's definitely the number one. He's, to me, right. he's the best play, best wide receiver on that team. And I think he's going to have a good season with Mac Jones. I like Mac. I just... The truth, I don't know about the truth, but I think he's a guy that could give you four thousand yards every single year consistently, and give you about twenty two, twenty three touchdowns, and that could be enough the way they run the ball to win. So, um, we'll see. I, I, I like Mac. So I hate him that he's. I hate him because he's a patriot, but. Um, I, I I respect him because I know how good of a quarterback he is, and he's one of the good ones to come out of Alabama. So, um, right. but anyways, we really appreciate joining us, JC. We're gonna get you on again uh, as the season progressively moves, and uh, we can make fun of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they lose. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just a, just a quick 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 response question because you're a Patriot fan too. Oh God! Any shot we see
3: Gronk back? Either with the Buccaneers or somewhere else. I don't think anywhere else. If he's going to come back, it's going to be with the Bucs. And I think we're, we're, I think Gronk watch starts after the Munich game in Germany. After that, you know, once that buy comes in, that's when Gronk watch really picks up. You know, I thought he was going to come back. I was on that train that you know, there's no way he he retires or maybe he just wants to miss camp and OTAs or whatnot. Uh, we've got conflicting reports from the man himself, from his agent, and his, from his girlfriend, who's the closest person to him in his life, saying he, she thinks he's going to come back. So, I think still, if 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 they're in a position where they need him, you know, because they've got a pretty stocked roster right now, both at wide receiver and tight end, if they need him and if he wants to come back, and it's something that is approached that I think he would, you know, try to go for that final ring, play another game. I just thought that the lore of going in the Hall of Fame with Tom Brady in that same class was just going to be too strong for him to stay away. Mm. You know, going in with one of your best friends with with the guy who has meant so much to your career, you know, going in together, just it just seems like the perfect story, right? Mm. You know, best tight end in in in, in NFL history. Best quarterback in NFL history, going to the Hall of Fame together. Um, hold on one second. Their entire oh, career together. Hold on, hold on. In the box. Don't get out of here hold with that, Tony. Hold on. Tony
2: Gonzalez has an so argument greatest, to that, greatest buddy. Receiving,
3: greatest receiving tight end of all time, Tony Gonzalez. Best tight end to block and receive, Gronk. Mm-hmm. Argue it, please argue it, because you can't. Uh, I you beg can. to differ,
2: buddy. But you, uh, know, you think Tony Gonzalez I, is a better no, blocker? I didn't say he was a better blocker, but all-around
3: offensive talent, I'm taking. Offensive talent, but uh, yeah. the tight end position is is a guy who who you know again it's transcended a little bit with the move tight end and everything, but. Your traditional tight end is a guy who can block. If you
2: line me up right now and I want a player that's going to help me win a Super Bowl and help me win a championship without Tom Brady, just straight-out talent, I'm taking Tony Gonzalez. Okay? okay,
3: well, he's never done that for He's never had Tom
2: it. Brady. I mean, who, did he, who is throwing at to Tony Gonzalez? Please. Yeah, Trent Green. <laughs> oh, my God. Trent Green. Oh, I love him when he's analyzing things on Channel 2. <laughs>
1: uh, no, but... <laughs>
3: You know, I I just think that if you're if you're looking for an all-around tight end, if you're talking about all-around greatest tight end that can do both damage and both things, I think it's rock. I, mean, I, I
2: think if if Tony Gonzalez had Tom Brady, if if Tony Gonzalez had Tom Brady his whole career, he'd be even better than he is. I mean, it, I think
3: honestly. if Aaron Hernandez stayed, you know, didn't. Decided to go on a killing spree. I think Aaron <laughs> Hernandez would be up there with Gronkowski as one of the best tight ends of all time. I, I would there. agree with you, and you were being very
2: kind of to him on just a killing spree. <laughs> yeah,
3: there's, there's a lot to get into, but I don't, don't <laughs> have time to unpack I, that. I anymore. mean,
2: uh, it, it's, you're probably better off not getting in before the people right. are probably watching. Right. Yeah. But uh, uh, we really appreciate you, man. You're funny. Uh, You have an energy to you that really draws, uh, I'm sure, draws a lot of the fans uh, because there's a lot of Boston fans that are listening to the show. So, uh, uh, but thank you for joining us. We'll get you on very, very soon. And uh, stay clear as Tom Brady Will not win the Super Bowl this year.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we'll hey, whatever happens, you know, if they go there, if they win, they lose. It's all good for content. So uh, there you go. I'm, I'm just kidding. I like, see, I like to see him win. I like the. I like. I to know try. you do. You're
2: a Brady lover. We know. Yeah, we know. Uh, uh, that's little. why you went from. That's why you went from where you live to down over there where it's hot I was here first, all right? Oh, that's right. That. He said
1: year before. <laughs>
3: okay. You were there
1: before he followed, and now... he
2: followed me, right? Uh, he He's followed like,
3: you. I'm go down and see that. So
2: maybe was. maybe you should have been hired as a head coach, not Todd Balls. Hey, maybe. Uh, yes. Coach <laughs> Allen baby. That's Looks what good. I'm doing. Let's vote for Allen. Anyways, <laughs> V for Allen and that's uh good. and we'll say a sell for Balls, okay? <laughs> I you know, at is a good name. I, I like uh you know, I like cereal. Let's uh let's have frozen. I don't know how quick. many times
3: I get autocorrects in my phone with bowels. I'm like, this is not his last name. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Flakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, thank you, JC. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on here. Follow me at JC Allen NFL on Twitter. Um you're kind of one stop shop for bucks. So and check out my work at Peter Report. Absolutely. We'll we'll definitely be in tune with you and, and we'll talk to you soon, but all right. Have a good night, guys.
2: J.C. Allen, ladies and gentlemen, very funny guy. Yeah, uh, good personality, and uh, he is a Buccaneers guy and a Brady guy. So mm-hmm. there you go. As he loves his Patriots. So uh, is... where is Jeff
1: when you need him? Uh-huh. And uh, and apparently Todd Bowles enthusiast too. Mm. Yes, uh, not, he's <laughs> rooting for Todd Bowles now that he's not a Jet. <laughs>
2: not are you. Not. Uh, not something I want to hear, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, you know, uh, the the Buccaneers get to experience the bad calls that Todd Bowles in the middle of games love to do. So, uh, I don't care what anybody says, Todd Bowles is still going to make those stupid mistakes. He is not Bruce Arians, nor will he ever be. So... I'm not saying Bruce Arians
1: is one of the smarter guys, but uh, he's definitely a good coach. He was a good in-game coach, I would say. He was just sometimes, sometimes game planning wise, ended up being over aggressive, like with blitzing. But that was really it. But that was also Tom Bowles too. So I don't know how much you could put on Arians with that in-game management, though. Close games, he was actually pretty good, though Arians. Mm. And by the way, uh, Snug says,
2: "Didn't Gonzalez play with Matt Ryan? Yeah, in the beginning of his career." No, the end of his career. The last two years no, no, of his I'm career. No, no, I'm talking
1: about Matt Ryan's beginning of his career. Yeah, he was, I think, five years in the league by then. So I don't know if it was that. No, it wasn't that. five years It in was the 2012. League. Matt Ryan was a rookie in 08. But Gonzalez is the last two years of his career, 2012 and 13. Matt Ryan was his quarterback. That was Matt Ryan's prime. But So, yes, he got some good years out of him. But <laughs> Tony Gonzalez was, like, the third option on that team at that point anyway. Because they had Roddy White. They had Julio Jones. And I think Harry Douglas was there for a little bit of it, too. Mm.
2: Well... My opinion, uh, and my great opinion, is Tony Gonzalez was the greatest tight end to ever play in this game. And that's not taking away from Gronkowski, who's a top three. There were a lot of great tight ends in this league. But uh, Tony Gonzalez, uh, he was so dominant and look at the wire, look at the quarterbacks he played with. And I don't wanna I don't wanna hear that he played with Matt Ryan for a little bit. He didn't have Tom Brady his whole career. Gun- uh, y- y- when you look at uh, you know, the great Gronkowski, Gronkowski practically except maybe one year, he had Tom Brady his whole career throw to him.
1: I mean, Arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. You also so. wonder with the combined games he missed, too. Like That might have helped him get there if he was able to stay healthy. But, yeah, the, the amount of games he played certainly hurts his case as well. Antonio also, Gates was good. Yes, yeah. I would say Antonio, Antonio Gates is the all-time receive, uh, receiving touchdowns leader for tight ends. He has to be in that conversation, too. I think those are the three. Uh, in terms of receiving, Gonzalez definitely number one. I think Tony Gonzalez is the greatest
2: tight end to ever play the game. That's just my opinion, and 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 Gonzalez will never take credit for that because uh, when they ask him that, he says there's a lot of great ones. He would never give himself the credit, but I'm giving him the credit, and that's not taking away from Gronkowski, who, by the way, I met. I think about. I think it was almost two years ago. Who was one of the funniest guys I have ever, I have ever met. One of the biggest hands I've ever shook. And uh one of the brighter, funniest personalities you could ever have a conversation with. So and I and people say I'm crazy and funny and, and the stupid things that come out of my mouth. Just imagine the craziness that comes out of that guy's mouth. So uh he's just a different personality. Jason Winton was a good tight end too. Yeah, but he was more Hall he, of Famer. Yeah. He yeah, he's a Hall of Not Famer. Definitely ballot.
1: definitely a Hall of Famer. But again, he wasn't like the explosive like Great all-around skill receiver. Like he, most of his passes he caught were shorter passes, and he was just bigger. He was a great blocker. Like, no, I think no question a top ten. I don't know about the. I don't know about like a first ballot top five type Hall of Famer. I definitely top ten tight end of all time. But I don't think he was like the great all-around skill wise. It, it's it's so interesting when you're trying to
2: rate guys and say their first ballot, second ballot, third ballot. You, you just you don't know when and what time. Uh, of their career, where you can compare their particular talents to some of the greats of all time, right. uh, you know. So it, it just, it, Jason Witten, is he better than Tony Gonzalez? No. no. Is he better than Gronkowski? No. Is he, is he, is a, he better than Kellen Winslow?
1: Like if you want to yes, go back to the yes, I 80s. think he is. You think he is? Okay. Oh, absolutely. But again, there would be people that argue that he isn't. Like, is he better Jason than Jason Sharp? Is he better than like there's a lot who, of guys? Who
2: did Jason Witten have to throw to him?
1: Uh, Tony, Tony Romo. And Tony
2: Romo. Give me a break. I mean. And Jason Witten's numbers are Hall of Fame numbers. I mean, some of the greatest numbers you'll ever see a tight end have, and he had Tony Romo and and, and garbage throwing at him. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that Jason Witten isn't our Hall of Famer. I would say he's a second ballot Hall of Famer. Sure, I you know Antonio Gates first ballot. Yeah, Tony Gonzalez first ballot. I, I mean Gronkowski first ballot. These guys are the best uh, of their eras. So yeah, I I, I would say that, but. Um to say that Jason Winton isn't a Hall of Famer is crazy to say. He's he definitely is. He's definitely going into the Hall of Fame. Tony Romo's not going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He, he, he. As an analyst he will, oh, but yeah. but not as a, not as a player. Jason Winton is is going to he'll be a borderline
1: First ballot Hall of Fame credit. Yeah,
2: you know, because he's a very liked by the board. He's
1: Not only that, he's also very well respected. It also is what Russell Baxter was saying too about the classes, the way they did it this year. This year, this past Hall of Fame class, they had a lot of like overdue guys like Tony Busselli, like Leroy Butler, guys that should have made it in earlier that didn't and now finally got in, but they didn't have those first ballot right away type guys. Like we think DeMarcus Ware is a first ballot talent Hall of Famer easily. And so is somebody so is somebody like Jared Allen, somebody somebody like Devin Hester, who was on the that ballot as well there were a lot of guys that could have been in that mix to be that and there just weren't because a lot of that like you were saying Andre Johnson was another one on that list too that didn't make it this year but he should make it as a first ballot guy it just the magnitude of the class makes a difference and that's
2: why when when, when you're trying to decide who's going into the Hall of Fame and who's not you're gonna argue that and and, and where they are Terrell Owens like we had when we had Russ on there is no question Terrell Owens is the first Ballot Hall of Famer. Exactly. And I don't care what Russ says. And, and Russ was kind of arguing it. He didn't argue it, but he said, well,
1: he was... I don't know if he was necessarily lobbying for it. He was just really explaining the reasonings. <laughs> it's a terrible reason. I mean, here's the reason why I think Russ is wrong.
2: You can't look of a, You can't look at a player because of what he does, you know, when it comes to on the field, even off the field. You look at what he does when he's in the middle of games, what, how important he is to those teams, how dominant he is when he steps on that field. Not what he does in the locker room because he doesn't get along with the players that he plays with. Or not what he does off the field, which he did really nothing off the field, where you know people thought he was disrespectful and uh, he was all about himself. Half of these guys are all about themselves. Actually, all of them are all about themselves. Me, 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 how much money are you going to pay me? That's that's how the game is. That's how the game works. Okay, they, they they don't they do care about the teammates. They do care about the position that they are in when it comes to their team and where how good they're going to be going into the season. But all in all, they care about themselves. Okay, and that's just the way it is. The quarterback Tom Brady, fantastic, and Tom Brady is the probably the biggest team player in NFL history because he took less money because he wanted his team to be great. Okay. And that's because he knew that his wife was worth 40 million a right. year and he didn't need the money. And, and now Tom Brady is going to make back all that money for all the money that he lost. He signs a 10 year, three hundred and forty something million dollar contract to make him the richest analyst in sports history. Okay. So you think Tom Brady cares what he lost in the years that he played football? No, he's going to get it back. With his endorsements, his advertisements, and his, you know, his just eagerness to be an analyst.
1: Snugg says, hey, I have it on good authority that Tony Romo was better than Brady. Uh, Snugg also says, Daryl Johnston. And I wish T.O., Antonio Brown, and Kyrie Irving did a podcast with special guest Kenny.
2: (laughs) If Kenny was on any other radio show besides ours, people would think that he was from an asylum. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Anybody that has the craziness to tell the fans that he's chasing around geese into the water, not explaining himself why he goes into the water to chase them, he just thinks it's funny, just tells you the type of person Kenny is. Okay, I love Kenny. Kenny is a funny guy. He, hes I'm surprised he's not watching the show tonight. He usually... Last week he didn't want you know he didn't get involved with the show because I wasn't on on Thursday because I had to help a friend out you know doing an event for him. Right. But and I love Kenny too. I think Kenny, but Kenny is a unique individual. That's that's being nice, okay? mm-hmm. being very nice. But again, uh, hopefully uh, Kenny will join us next uh, either on Thursday or next week. So uh, crazy, cr- I call him Crazy Kenny. So there you go. Um, I want to get into this James Dolan thing because it, it seems like it, it's a story. And, and, by the way, the Knicks are, renew, you know, contact the Jazz, and they're talking negotiations again with Donovan Mitchell, which we expected this to happen. Right. I expect this now to close in. I, I believe the Knicks will get Donovan Mitchell before the season starts. The question is, what are they going to have to give up? I think the Jazz will bite a little bit with this. I don't think they're going to ask for as much. I think they both want this deal to go in. Donovan wants to and I don't care what anybody says, he can go here. Again. He wants to be a Nick. He he definitely wants to be a Nick. That's why the Knicks are the team that they're renegotiating a deal with. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. So, and everything that you heard, they wants to go to Miami, then you heard what were the other teams that he he said?
1: It was Miami, Miami and, and Atlanta the, the, the and Phoenix Suns. initially and were the Suns. three. Then Atlanta traded for he DeJonte was never Murray.
2: going to the Suns because the Suns were never going to be able to take that contract on after giving Devin Booker what they gave him. Uh, they were he was never going to Miami because they didn't have room for him, especially with the money and trying to re-sign Tyler Hero. And who was the other team? Atlanta. But then they traded for DeJounte Murray instead. They weren't so. getting. He, he was not going over there, even though uh, what's his name again? Trey uh, Young. Trey Young is his best friend. He was never going there. Okay, It was always the Knicks. It was always the Knicks. And he's going to be a Knick. No matter what. He will be a Knick before season starts. I I guarantee it. 100%. So, all you Knicks fans that think that the Knicks are going to die out and they're not going to get him, they're not going to make a move for him. They're going to make a move for him. They're going to make it at their pace. And they're going to give up what they feel is worth Donovan Mitchell. But... There are rumors that James Dolan is thinking about selling the Rangers and the Knicks. He's not selling Madison Square Garden. Uh, that is definitely not a part of the rumors. He is not willing to trade the world's most famous arena. But uh, I'm sure if the Knicks and the Rangers become available, being that both teams, uh, the Knicks are probably worth about $5 billion. 6, Six billion. billion 6 billion yep 6 billion they're and they're still top 10 among
1: sports franchises
2: and and the rangers are probably worth about 2 billion i mean he can make a pretty penny over there yeah 8 billion dollars for both teams uh again he'll still own madison square garden so i think that's the route he wants to go i i, I just think with with the organizations as a whole i think he he feels that he doesn't want to be a part of them anymore i think he wants to Uh, make his money and and move on as as a a musician and whatever he's doing on and off, uh, you know, his offices over there at Madison Square Garden. But um,
1: I'm not surprised about this Speedy at all. It's about time from the team perspective, obviously, from money perspective, it had to make the right deal happen. Uh, this article, according to Clutch Points, said it's likely to happen probably next year. He's waiting on a deal. He's trying to finish something in Las Vegas called the Sphere, which doesn't specify what that is. I would imagine it's some kind of either casino or arena or something like that in, in Vegas, but he's trying to figure that out, and once he deals with that, he will sell his stock of the Knicks, which... And and the Rangers, which like we were saying, is it probably be a combined about eight million because the Knicks are worth eight six billion, eight or eight billion. My bad, because the Knicks are worth that. I, the Forbes list just came out with it. they were at six point one billion dollars. They're worth they're the, the most expensive basketball team. NBA in, team, yes. And I think they were the fourth or fifth overall uh, franchise in all but, the four major sports. But he's
2: not giving up Madison Square Garden. So e- everything that I've read, he will be willing to give up his stock of the Knicks and the Rangers but will not give up any stock in the Madison Square Garden and and, and because he makes his money off of right. that and and with all the bands and all the different things that he makes money on he's not going to give that up especially uh you know where it is and
1: it's the biggest arena in professional sports. They don't call it the greatest arena in the world for nothing. So, world's most famous arena for nothing. So, between all the music
2: Unless and- somebody offers him like some outrageous number where right. Uh, he'll, they'll give him $15 billion. and I mean, I mean, Steve Cohen could. I mean, yeah, I suppose. I mean, if, yeah. if, if <laughs> why not? Steve Cohen wants the Knicks and the Rangers as a whole and just buys them Steve all, Cohen, all. Steve Cohen. Could you imagine that? He owns the Mets, he owns the Knicks, and he owns the Rangers. I mean, who's better than him?
1: Josh and I will be very happy if that's the case. <laughs> just Steve Cohen owning three of our teams. Yeah, I'll take that. I mean, meets. why not? Why couldn't he do that? Oh, I mean, he absolutely, absolutely could. I mean, I could see him doing that. Yeah, it's not—it's not unrealistic. But again, to think of going back to Dolan, uh, yeah, he's not going to give up everything within that. He just said, this article just says he will still be the primary shareholder with Madison Square Garden itself. I, I said that, yeah, yeah, and he's not going to give up any of the other assets that go along with it too, which include the merchandising, um, MSG networks as well into that mix. It was, it was actually an MSG analyst that actually spread the rumor at first. Jonathan Boyer was the name of of him who is actually an MSG analyst. I don't think so. anybody that. Wants to
2: buy a franchise cares about that, because they're still going to make their money. They're still going to make their money. The question is, if they own the Knicks and you're not selling, um, you know, different things, how are you making your money? You know what I mean? If you own the Knicks and you don't own Madison Square Garden, you don't make any money on the
1: profits of the seats.
2: What do you bringing? Yeah, in? it
1: might be maybe they only he only profits on MSG merchandise, not Knicks merchandise, or something like that. Yeah. It's it's very complicated with economics the way that's going to work. But yeah, it's got to be that way. Yeah, I mean, right.
2: Because they got to pay the players. How's the owner and the new ownership? Is how right. are they going to be able to pay and make their profits? You know that that's going to be
1: something. That has to be renegotiated, or maybe James Dolan gets like a percentage of something. I don't know. It's weird. I'm not gonna, I'm not an economics expert to be able to get into that. How I mean, work. It, maybe they
2: the, the the Knicks as an organization rent out the time over there at Madison Square Garden with the food courts and everything, right. like that, And they bring in the money. I, I don't know how they're gonna do it, but it has to be something like that because there's no way you're gonna buy a team for six billion or five billion dollars and not make any, you know, make any money off of it. So. Right. It doesn't make sense, so there's got to be some kind of negotiations with that. But uh, interesting story, it really is, and I expect it to happen in the, in the next year, year and a half. And if you're a Nick fan, are you happy about that? I don't know. I mean, it depends on what owner and who's going to buy him mm-hmm. and uh, is willing to de- you know open their pockets. Which James Dolan had never had a problem opening up his pockets. Right. He always opened up his pockets. The problem with James Dolan is nobody wanted to play for him because of the racist and stupid stuff that he has done on and off the court. So that's the reason why I think James Dolan wants to move away from the the
1: sports end of it. So... Uh, interesting story, it really is. And you have to think recently, with the Broncos having their sale, it was over five billion dollars. I think it was in the, more of the range of five and a half. You have to think the Knicks would have to be at least a million, maybe a million and a half above that too, with what James Dolan's worth as well. Oh yeah, I, I,
2: the Knicks in the Rangers probably will sell for about eight billion dollars. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, altogether. And I could see the same ownership buying both teams because it makes yeah, a lot hot. of sense. Yep. It makes a lot of sense. The Rangers are very well-respected, one of the top six teams or one of the first six teams in NHL history. So that definitely sells to an ownership or somebody out there that wants to open up his pockets to you know pay for an organization or pay for a franchise uh, that's been around for a long time and has a huge fan base. And uh, the Knicks are, you want to talk about fan bases and loyal fan bases. I mean, the Knicks are one of the worst teams in the NBA every single year. And, and and to see that every single game sells out, no matter what, just tells you how big and how important the franchise is to New York. So, uh, I they could probably sell for more than six billion.
1: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I would say at least a billion and a half more than that initial sale for the six million billion that they're worth right now. I, I definitely could see it in the sevens for sure, with the way that's profitable, because the Knicks are still so valuable as bad as they are. So number the number one expense. valuable yeah. team in in. In New York, mm-hmm. out of all the teams,
2: the, the Yankees, the Mets, the Yankees even, the Mets, and all those teams, the Jets, the Giants, and they're not even considered New York because they're in New Jersey. But yeah. nevertheless, all the New York teams, the Knicks are the prize organization in sports here in New York. And that's a fact. You can go look it up. There, there are more Knicks fans than any fans in, in New York sports. And that's e- including the Yankees. So that just tells you how big of a following the New York Knicks have when it comes to, uh, you know, their fans. So it's going to be interesting. And uh, whoever it is, whoever decides to buy the New York Knicks, hopefully it's good ownership and an owner that people are going to find and really respect, you know, because that right. will draw uh, some of these free agents to want to come over there and play yep. for and the Knicks. That was always been the holding back, not the money with James Dolan. <laughs> it was never the money, yeah. ever. No. He always knew how to open up his pockets, and I respect James Dolan for that. I don't respect James Dolan for the stupid things he says on and off the court. I mean, he's said some dumb, stupid things, uh, and has put himself in harm's way for his organization and his franchises to grow so much that we had to witness the Knicks overpaying
1: Joakim Noah. I mean, he's Bay only
2: Lake. since he's been he's, since he's taken over for his father, he has only seen one championship from his teams, one. One. Uh-huh. And that was 1994. Correct. And that was when I think he first took over.
1: Yeah, it was early. I think it was 91 he took over. So, yeah. So, right. it's,
2: he's only seen one championship as the full, you know, profit owner of the professional teams in the Knicks and the Rangers. And that's sad yeah. for all these years to not see any more than that. As good as some of those teams have been over the years, they've never gotten over the hump.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, And he spent a lot of money.
1: Yeah, the Rangers could do well with free agency, too. Not always getting the right players, but they did well with spending money where they're always, their payroll was already pretty high. Now, that always evened out to different success. The Rangers did just as good with underdog teams as they did with free agent teams, but still, they always spent. And the Knicks, they had some bad contracts, but never they were never the Mets where they always were too cheap. The Knicks always spent, and they always paid too much for certain players. And now there's the Yankees, where... I spoke over the last
2: week, week and a half, saying that I am not worried about the Yankees. I'm starting to wonder what this team is. This team, over the last five games, has scored four runs. Four runs in almost five games. And it's alarming to me when a lineup this potent And this is a potent lineup. This is one of the top five lineups in baseball. How bad this lineup is not producing offensively could only scare you moving forward when there's about, I would say, 45 games left. The New York Yankees, who a lot of people predicted was going to win over 100 games this year. And I still think they can. But... You look at where this team is and the way they're playing. They're lucky to win 90 games and get in as a division winner. You lose two games in a row against this Tampa Bay Rays team. Let's be honest. Is fighting injury all season long. They have no offense. They have outscored the Yankees 7 to 1 in two games. The Yankees have scored 1 run in 18 innings. That is alarming if you're a Yankee fan. And I don't want to hear Aaron Boone after the game, and I can't wait to see his press conference after the show because I don't want to hear it. Because Aaron Boone, you're the manager of this team. You've had your meetings. You took your team meetings uh, after, I think, the Seattle series. It has not helped. You you, You won one game against the Red Sox in Boston. A Boston team that's one of the worst teams in the major leagues right now. The first series, the Boston Red Sox have won all season in their division. If you're sitting here today as a Yankee fan, I don't care if you're nine games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. It doesn't matter. Because you were at one point going into the All-Star break were 14 games Ahead of the Tampa Bay race. Now you're down to nine. When is this team going to wake up? When is this lineup going to wake up? And you can't depend on Aaron Judge every single game to hit a bomb. It doesn't work. And, and to me, Brian Cashman did everything he was supposed to do at the trade deadline to make this team better. He made every possible move. That so far has not worked, and it's not his fault. The players need to produce. So when you look at the Yankees right now, it, it does scare me. When you you're talking about offensive game and and where they're bringing and where this offense is going to come from, John Carlos Stanton looks like he's going to start rehabbing uh, by the end of this week. He could be by. He could be back into the lineup with the Yankees hopefully by sometime mid-next week, which is important because this lineup desperately needs him. Desperately. And it'll help Aaron Judge out. It'll help Rizzo out because they'll see more pitches because having him in the middle of this lineup scares
1: pitchers to pitch against them. The other thing, too, is you wonder from a batting average and on base percentage perspective, they're not even doing that either. And at least if you're not going to score a lot of runs, you still want to, it seems like you want to trigger. You still, you still want to string together innings. Like the Yankees are, are getting no hit one hit. A lot of these games too. The Rays did it. Seattle did it last week. Uh, uh Jordan Montgomery was doing it to them against the, when he was pitching for the Cardinals, where I think he had like the only two hits allowed in the first six innings or something like that. Like, the Yankees, these are uncharacteristic slumps for them. And you're looking for them in the month of August. They've only scored more than five runs three different times in... 14 games. That is not like an offense that we saw be a juggernaut in the first half, too. And they even lost one of those games. They lost 12-9 against the Cardinals. So, to think about that from where this offense was in the first half. It is definitely concerning. And also, Against other good teams, too. That's not something you want to do going into the playoffs, too. They've lost four out of the six games against Seattle. They got swept by the Cardinals. They struggled against the Astros right at the All-Star break. So they got to turn that identity around, too. They can't rely on one guy to carry their offense. The Yankees have had troubles like that in the past, whether it was Judge, whether it was Stanton, whether it was Rizzo last year. They are
2: desperately waiting for a guy like Giancarlo Stanton to come back. Right. They're desperately waiting for it because if he doesn't help this lineup, I don't know what does. This lineup has been horrible. Aaron Hicks can, cannot be put in this lineup anymore. Nope. You have to take him out of this lineup. It doesn't... Andrew Beniteni had two hits tonight. He's, he's the only player in this lineup that had two hits. Why isn't he playing more? Why are you starting Aaron Hicks? He is no longer a starter on this team
1: anymore. Yeah. And it's not like his defense is still stellar. It's good, but it's not as good as it used to be either. Like, you have other options you could do. Benintendi just won a gold glove. We'll see what happens when Harrison Bader comes back, too. He might even take over as a center fielder or as another outfielder if Aaron Judge still plays in center, too. But, yeah, he's going to lose his spot easily if that's the case, if Benintendi keeps hitting, too. I also think the other problem, too, is the Yankees are doing kind of what the Mets used to do, where it seems like they're forced to play a lot of the guys they're paying just because they have bigger contracts, too. You're seeing that now with somebody like Josh. Donaldson, too, has hit a bit of a slump in the second half of the season. And I think that is something that the Yankees and no baseball team should do. You should do with whatever is working, no matter how much they're getting paid or not. And the Yankees have enough depth to make that work. Well, Donaldson is the best third baseman they have. And that's the way the Yankees look at it. Now, in the
2: offseason, they have one more year left on a contract. They could buy it out and and tell him to go on on his way. And that's probably what the Yankees are going to do. I don't see them bringing him back, especially the way he's played this year. So, I, I I could see the Yankees buying out the contract and letting them go. But uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting what the Yankees are going to do um, as the season progressively comes to an end. Because, honestly, what I've seen so far is a, a manager who has had a great season in Aaron Boone, all of a sudden has had an absolute bomb of a second half of the season. And... If this team continues to do what they're doing and follow this path throughout this week, if I was Brian Cashman, as good as I believe Aaron Boone has been since he started here, his his tenure here, I I think you fire him. This team needs a new voice in that locker room, and if they're not hitting and it— They're not producing. You saw what Philadelphia had to do with Joe Girardi. You've seen with all these different teams, all the teams that fired their coaches and brought in a new coach, the Phillies, another team that fired their coach. Look what the Phillies are doing right now because they fired their coach. I I mean, they're a playoff team right now. Mm -hmm. So it's, to me, you have to do what's right for the team and the organization. I think Brian Cashman knows that. I think Brian Cashman's the best at doing that. So – If I was Aaron Boone, I would be worried about my job.
1: Yeah, you have to also factor in the bullpen adjustments too. We have not been as good in the second half. I've criticized that him for him more in the past than the hitting because I think the hitting, like he does, do well with the depth, and especially when guys have been hurt, he's done well in the past. But this is a really bad stretch, an uncharacteristically bad stretch. So it might be a different advantage for that kind of thing. And this was a guy that in the first half of the year was the manager of the year. Now he still might be a finalist for it because I wouldn't make him finalist. I, I think I think either the Orioles guy Hyde or the Seattle manager. I don't. I forget at his name off the top of my head. They'll probably win it, but in terms of like a finalist, there might be no not not another guy obvious in the American League right now because it has been kind of top heavy because the Central has nobody great right now. And and yes, you could probably you could do any of the interim guys you too. Could probably still, give it to
2: Dusty Baker.
1: Maybe Dusty Baker. I, I again, I think either. Orioles or Mariners will win it, just because the the seasons they're having. Especially the Orioles, if they make the playoffs, I think there's no doubt. Because they have a payroll at the beginning of the season that was less than Max Scherzer, what Max Scherzer was making this year. And they could make the playoffs. I don't think they will, but still, that would be something. Uh, Snug says, uh, well, one of the worst teams might be a bit dramatic. They are in the neighborhood of 500. They will win 100 games. It is only like 27 games they have to win. Who? Who's he talking about? The Yankees?
2: The Yankees, yeah. No, I think the Yankees will win 100 games. And... But, again, it doesn't matter how many games you win. If the Yankees are not going to produce in the playoffs and they're going to get knocked out in the playoffs as quick as they are, uh, it doesn't really matter. Right? It, it doesn't matter how many games they win. They need to be ready for the playoffs. And and if I was Aaron Boone, I would put your starting lineup in right now, try to get your team to, to figure out why they're losing, and then – decide what with the list ten to twelve games on who's sitting and who's playing so you keep them healthy and fresh. But right now the bullpen has been horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean this is the be- this was the best bullpen in the first half of the season. Right. They have fallen to like five or six when they were the best. Now, losing King, I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it is. It's been horrible. Yeah,
1: so many guys have looked just out of whack in other roles all of a sudden, which is weird.
2: I mean, that just shows you how important this kid King is. Yeah. And um, Britain should be back in a, in a week or two, maybe, maybe, maybe by the end of this month. So maybe Zach Britton going into the bullpen m- might give him a spark or something. But, but you have to hope he
1: comes back the same too, or at least half of what he was. Because
2: I mean, he couldn't have been as bad as he
1: his time with his UCL tri- tear. That's so. true. But still, like you, you, at this rate with the Yankees, what they need that kind of spark, it might have to be that kind of spark in order to get there. Because they're getting outside of probably Lecky and I think Clark Schmidt, but he he's been hurt too. Like they're, they're they're thinking about moving Clark Schmidt into the rotation. Yeah, which again with their other pitching injuries now too might happen as well, and Jamison Tyon struggled in the second half. There's a lot of factors into that, and demoting Jordan Montgomery too. I I didn't understand that move, and Jordan Montgomery since he's gone to
2: the Cardinals is two and zero. So what does that tell you? I, I I mean Brian Cashman you know obviously threw a curveball. Nobody thought he was going to trade Jordan Montgomery. He's been their best playoff pitcher in the last couple of years. So I was very surprised when they did that. But who knows? We haven't seen Bader yet. So right. when Bader gets on the field, maybe
1: Bader becomes a spark for them.
2: Yeah. I mean and Maybe he's what the Yankees needed.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. And I was one of the unpopular opinions that actually liked it because I Bader and Montgomery have had similar career trajectories where they're both good players when they're healthy. Not great, but good, but they're both always injury-prone. But Bader, I think, especially now with Hicks not hitting, too, is going to serve a big value in center field if he can even hit a little bit of what he was in 2021 where he was a pretty good hitter. Not a power hitter, but still, the Yankees don't really need power. They need other things in that lineup. Snug says, no, if Cashman fired Boone, the team would get better. The Mets are the toast of Gotham for sure. Uh, That's why they've lost two games in
2: a row, and they've given up, I don't know,
1: nine runs in the last two games. Yeah, they're the toast. Uh, Yes, Donaldson is hitting two you You're right on the mark with that, Snug. Aaron Boone, bum of the year. Miami Heat could be just kind of a manager with that roster. I don't know if I would go that far, Snug. And uh, Zach Britton is fragile. If the wind blows too hard, he gets hurt. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Yankees are
2: going to do. As the season progresses, they cannot get this this lead down to five games with Tampa because if yeah. Tampa gets closer to five, the Yankees are going to be in trouble because this having uh you know going into the All Star break and having a thirteen game you know lead in the division even from Tampa and 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 a team like the Blue Jays to to lose that lead significant lead and let these teams get closer back into this race. Uh, that's scary as a Yankee
1: fan. You do not want to go into the playoffs as a wild card team. I would watch out for the Rays, though, to have one big streak, though, because they had about four hitters hurt for a while. They were weathering the storm. I remember they also traded Austin Meadows at the start of the season, too, so they were really going on with just pitching and just battling to even stay in contention, so they might have a hot streak in them if their hitters get hot at the right time. The Blue Jays, I'm not as worried about because their pitching has been very lackluster this year so far. Outside of Manoa, who's been great, and then they have Kevin Gaussman, and Jordan Romano's a nice closer out of their bullpen, but their pitching depth hasn't been very good, so I think the Yankees will be fine in that regard. But the Rays, yeah, you can't lose to them.
2: The Mets call up their top prospect third baseman in Brett Beatty. I'm not surprised about this. The Mets have had been really struggling at the third base position. Uh, they they made a move for Escobar in the offseason, and they thought Escobar would be a good fit over there at third base. It hasn't really worked out so far this
1: season. They've put there. I think. How do you pronounce his name? Um, they have Luis Giorme there most of the time, and then they've also rotated McNeil around there as well. No,
2: they put Khan over there. What's his name again? Mark Cannon is an Mark outfielder. Mark Cannon. He's, it, an out, he's been outfielder They moved him at third year. base. What are you talking about? They moved him to third base. He played third base the other day. All right,
1: maybe so. it was just one game. Uh, it doesn't matter. He <laughs> played third base. <laughs> Primary outfielder.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, he played third base. So, So, uh,
1: yeah, they've had uh, Escobar mostly over there. But, yeah, 216, 12 home runs, 44 RBIs. And then uh, J.D. Davis they had over there at times, but now they traded him. So, we'll see. We'll see on that. And Luis Guillermo just getting hurt now. They were always going to trade J.D. Davis. They were trying to trade him in the offseason. Right. They Mm -hmm. were trying to trade him in the offseason. And now this year he can't even hit lefties. So, uh, good luck with that. Uh, We'll see what Darren Ruff is on the return end with that. But, yeah, they're – Brett Beatty, I've always wanted them to call it for a while. I think they were going to call him up last year if they weren't collapsing the way they did last year because that was a really bad collapse. By the way, happy birthday
2: to Nathan. Hey, uh, happy birthday, Nathan. Um, I want to wish him a happy birthday. I, we couldn't make it to mon- on Monday, but I think he moved his party. But uh, I want to wish you a happy birthday, bud. You absolutely deserve it. Keep up the good work. Um, and uh, keep working, man. You keep doing your thing. Respect everything that you do, and uh, good friend, by yes. the way. Nithin. Happy birthday, Nathan.
1: Uh, what is he saying over here? What's Snug saying over uh, Oh, great. It's Cousin Beeve. Oh, because Nathan's a Cowboys fan, so he's Cousin Beave, I guess. Cousin Beave. I never heard that before. <laughs> he probably mentioned it last time Nathan was on the show like a month ago. <laughs> I don't remember it. I don't know. Snug might have mentioned it. We make fun of him with EJ Perry all the time. It might have gotten lost in the shuffle with the other comments, for all mm-hmm. we know.
2: Uh Fernando Tatis uh, Junior suspended for eighty games after testing positive for cluster Uh I guess that's uh arm source for I guess he called it for ringworm. Yes. Or something like that. Um or
1: ringworm.
2: I mean, usually, and I'll say this again, I said this on the weekend crunch, if you need something, an ointment for ringworm, you go to C V S, go over the counter, and you can get something. You there's now there is steroids. In uh, the ointment for ringworm. I did check it out, by the way. But not enough for it to come up in your blood. Okay? So, for anybody that wants to lie to an organization, a professional sports organization, and say that you used an ointment to clear up ringworm, and it has steroids, and that's why it was caught up in your blood, it would show up in your blood a significant amount, there was not enough for it to do that. So for Fernando Tatis to go out there and lie about it, just
1: tell the truth, dude. You were cheating.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what you were doing. You now His father's trying to say, oh, it's going to ruin it for the, for him and for the game. Yeah, well, okay, maybe have your son who just made all that money be able to afford a doctor that could help with that or afford somebody to help research that, anything with that condition. Then he was saying it was like a haircut or something like that. Yeah, who's going to believe that? It's not hard to research something in today's society. It happened in the beginning of his career. So if... He
2: has a good career. He could still go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah,
1: sure. I mean, mean, what had happened? The first two years of his career? Yeah, this is his fourth year in the league, so yeah, I guess that would happen. But yeah, at the rate we can't even get Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame. Who knows? But hopefully the writers will be more evolved by then and younger. But still, it's not something that you can't avoid. Figure out a substance and research it. We have enough data in today's technological society. You have all this money. You have... The, all these pharmaceuticals, you just literally pulled off what Robinson Cano did where he's like, oh, the substance is foreign. Oh, I didn't know I was taking it. Meanwhile, it was only in the Dominican Republic and on the banned list for Major League Baseball. Great job, Fernando Tatis. So now you're going to miss what could be what could have been a storybook ending now with Juan Soto, Josh Bell this season for the Padres, and you're not going to be a part of that. Well, Soto's going to be there next year too, and th- I believe they'll re-sign
2: Soto in the offseason. Yeah. Josh Bella will be gone. Yep. Because he's a free agent after this year. So I expect him to get a pretty decent contract for the season that he's having. And uh, Machado will be there and, and Tatis will be there. I think mm-hmm. all three of them will be there next year. Um, this would have been a nice year to make that run with the pitching that they have and the, the bullpen. They had a hater in the offseason. Yep. I mean, another one they'll have to pay too. Yeah, if they could.
1: I don't know if they're going to be able to if they're going to give Juan Soto that money. They're not going to be able to pay all four of them now. No. no. Well, they paid Machado and Tatis. Well, Machado, is... Machado, they paid. I talk about the four trade deadline acquisitions. They got Brandon Drury, Josh Bell, and those. Brandon big Drury games. was just an add-on. I, I mean, ex-Yankee,
2: ex-Blue Jay. I mean, he's been all over the place. He's having a good season, but Brandon. Drury – And by
1: the way, I, I think the Yankees should have
2: went after Brandon Drury.
1: I think yeah, they, they been... I was surprised they didn't. He's their perfect type of need for what they what they could have used.
2: I mean, I, I I know the Yankees didn't want to get rid of him when they did, um, when they brought him in for in free agency and. Uh, again, Brandon Jury is, is having a pretty good season now, a borderline all-star. Yes, um, He goes over there to San Diego, and, and he's having a good season. He, he really is. and I expect him to get a pretty decent contract in the offseason, so they're not bringing him back. It's Soto and Hater. They're going to try to sign Hader. I think one, one way or another, they're only going to be able to sign Juan, especially if Juan Soto is going to want close to $500 million, and they're going to give him that. So I I, I can't see the ownership giving Hader that $100 million contract that he's going to be expecting. So I think he'll be going to free agency. Don't be surprised if he goes to the Mets because, uh, you know, Stevie, Uncle Stevie, likes to open up his pockets. So I expect him in the offseason, if if Hader becomes available, uh, for him to add to that bullpen, that's
1: very weak. And uh, why not go after the best relief pitcher in baseball? Even so, you look at the the – short-term trajectory and the long-term trajectory for the Padres. You have Tatis and Machado signed for for that. And if Juan Soto does commit, you're now losing that base off of that. And the other thing that we've seen it hurt for the Padres is we've seen teammates now turn on Tatis too, which is not something you want to see for a guy that had the motorcycle accident in the beginning of the season. The Padres knew they were a good team. They were going to be a bounce-back candidate this year. And now with this, the second time, like you see them not – necessarily going to win the division but competing for one of the top three seeds in the National League one of the five best records in baseball and all of a sudden you do this it's not hard to just be careful for that so all these teammates coming out and kind of criticizing him yeah they have a justification to that you got to hope if you're the Padres it doesn't get in their head for the long term though too because they're they had a little bit of a slump since Soto got there. They got swept by the Dodgers, and now they're only hanging on to one of the wild card spots with the Phillies and the Cardinals surging. Yeah, and, and this has been going on with the Yankees, and I expect both teams to figure things out. I,
2: the Padres are too good to be this bad. I agree. And, and the Yankees are too good to be this bad. So I, I think somebody needs to figure this out. I think uh, management and coaching needs to figure this out, and hopefully both teams get back on track. But they have been horrible since the All-Star break. Both the Yankees and the
1: Padres are one of the worst teams in the league since the All-Star break. The Padres were like a game and a half up on the Dodgers at the at the end of June, and now all of a sudden they're like eight and a half games back now. And... Well, the Dodgers are the best team in baseball. Yeah, I, the, Dodger, the, Do- the Dodgers have only lost, I think, two games since the All-Star break. So. I mean, they've been unbelievable. Yes. I mean, that
2: rotation, but they did lose somebody today. Uh, yeah, Bueller's done
1: for the year. Bueller's it, it out, done for the year. It, it which was is, announced.
2: Yep. Which which is going to hurt them. It, that's going to that could hurt them in the postseason. He's been their best postseason pitcher. Yeah. So that that's going to hurt them. So uh, as good as the Dodgers have been all year, and uh, they still have Clayton Kershaw, they still have a pretty decent rotation. Mm-hmm. To lose their best pitcher going in going into the playoffs, as well as they've been playing, uh, that's a benefit to for the net for the Mets, uh, for all those teams because. Walker Bueller was gonna be that one in you know, going in a in a in a seven game series was gonna pitch at least two of the games. Yes. And now you're losing that,
1: so that's two could be two losses. And even statistically, when he wasn't, when he was pitching, he was a little bit down this year for what his standards are. He was, I think, when he got hurt, he was an ERA of three point four or three point five or something like that. But still, he is the most confident guy to go into the playoffs because even as a young pitcher, he was so dominant in the playoffs too. Now they have a bunch of guys with ERAs under three right now, with Gonsolin, with Anderson playing as well as they have. Julio Arias back to back great seasons for him, but still, a lot of those guys have been unknowns or inconsistent in the playoffs. So Rios was great last year, but that was really it. And then Clayton Kershaw, we know he, how streaky he can be, and it's mostly on the negative side for him.
2: Mm.
1: So, a big loss
2: for the uh, LA Dodgers, losing mm. arguably their best pitcher, who, by the way, in his career, is 46-16 and 16 with a 3.2 ERA, which yeah. is still very, very good. And he's a young pitcher. He's still very young. And elbow surgery is a significant... Uh, remind me... Bueller is like the young Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. He's like that guy that they expect to be out there every uh, every five days and, and give you a chance to win. So, and and I re- I remember Walker was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Remember that? <laughs> Sounds That's about the, right. <laughs> in the fourteenth round.
1: And the Pirates let him go. He becomes great somewhere else. Not surprising. Like,
2: <laughs> no, no, no. And then they, he he decided. To not go in 2012, not to go back, you know, go, and then he decided to go into the draft. I, I think I'm reading it. Um, oh, like
1: a supplemental draft and, Yes, or something in like 2015. That. Okay. Gotcha. After 2012, and he was a first round 24th pick. Mm-hmm. Bet it on yourself, and it ends up working. You go 13 rounds earlier, and, and you don't go to Pittsburgh. And you don't go to Pittsburgh, you go to the best team in baseball.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's a win. You, you get to go to a big city and a city that actually cares. Oh, you hope,
1: cares about their sports. Well, they care. They just don't show up until the third inning. I don't understand that either, by the way. But anyways. Except for football. They don't show up at all.
2: Um, What else do we have to get into here? Uh, the Jets and the Giants preseason game to finish up our show for today. And on uh, Thursday, we're going to have Ben. Uh, Benjamin, yes. uh, He's a he runs uh, Long Island 495 division for football, for youth sports. He will be on from 9 to 10. On Thursday, and then who do we? Have? That's the only. One I have in?
1: nothing scheduled yet. All right, but so we we'll say
2: so we have been on uh, nine to ten, and then the rest is going to be our content and sports and conversation. We're going to get a lot of sports conversation. We might have uh, Gerard um, and um, Mark Everett Kelly on too. So uh, Gerard, I'm sorry, I called him Gerard. So Gerard and Mark Ever Kelly, we're going to reach out to to actually add to our uh, guest list, but. Um, on Thursday at 9 o'clock, we'll have Ben from 495 uh, Football. Uh, he's going to talk about his son being a top-end prospect, uh, top-end recruit here in Long Island, talk about uh, some of the money that some of these college kids are making now. It's on it's un- the NIT bill that they're giving. Uh, you know, it's crazy, crazy money, he told me. So uh, it's interesting, and, and, and somebody from ESPN wrote an article about uh, – you know New York sports and New York football and how where where is New York football gone over the last couple of years? So it's interesting. So uh, I, I read the article; it was a very interesting article. So Ben's going to come in, and as everybody knows, Ben he doesn't know when to shut up. So uh, it'll be fun. I love Ben, by the way, and I think Ben has a, his own opinion towards sports, but I think it'll be very interesting to see what he's going to say about. Long Island youth sports. Mm-hmm. So, and, and some of the coaches, he, he's got a lot to say about too. So, um, the Jets and the Giants. Why don't, why don't you, Speed, you're a Giant fan. What did you, what were your thoughts to Daniel Jones first, uh, you know, preseason game?
1: Uh, what did you, did you think he looked crisp, but did, did, did the, anything alarm you with Daniel Jones? A couple short throws he missed. They were missing high a lot of the time too. And, the simple throws, I think, are something that he has to start working on, too, especially in this system. But I think he did better with other tougher throws. Good, uh, He had two nice throws on the run, uh, one nice 20-yard pass uh, down the field. I think that was to Colin Johnson in the first half. And he played with the starters that weren't on the field the whole time either. And the offensive line was kind of iffy. Uh, especially on the right side of that line. So Daniel Jones was running away a lot. But you saw that he, he got—he was comfortable with the designed rollouts too. Brian Dable did a lot more motion than we've seen in the past too because the Giants have had all outdated offenses in the past. And Daniel Jones, it was interesting to see how he would be able to adjust to it rather than having to scramble, his, uh, scramble for his life. And he looks pretty comfortable in that with his foot movement and stuff like that. Now his throw on the run, we'll have to see how he works on it. But I think the way he spread the ball around, the way he used those not as high rated wide receivers is a good sign for him and brian dable did a good job at calling different concepts to make that kind of thing work they don't really have the great tight end play yet because it's a, they don't have it on their roster right now and their offensive line shaky and they were using saquon out of the backfield too which i like to see too so i think daniel jones adjusted to the circumstances well did he play great no but he played fine i, I think he was all right serviceable enough for what he could do and we'll have to see if it takes the next step
2: I think the defense played very well. Uh, we saw a little bit of it We saw what the offensive line could look with Thomas and obviously uh, their new uh, tackle over there on the other side. So I, I expect this offensive line to be a lot better, um, understand the o- offense a little bit better when Dable kind of fits in his two cents and his understanding of what the offense should look like. But uh, I think this is going to help Daniel Jones immensely because of the way that, da- that Dable – teaches young quarterbacks how to understand his system. And I think over the last couple of years, especially with the coaches Daniel Jones has had, uh, the system has changed twice. And it just doesn't work. You need a system that fits what he likes to do, inside and out of the pocket, using his legs and throwing on the run. I think this is going to really work for him. I think using Saquon Barkley in the open field is going to help him. I, I, I think... I believe that Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the future of this organization. I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he has the accuracy. Uh, his his understanding on not fumbling the ball the last couple of years has gotten better. Right. I, I, think he's, uh, I think he's there. I, I, I just think he needs to be more consistent. And I think they need to put weapons around him to succeed. I think if they do that, they've won with Eli Manning over the years. They can win with Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones has a tremendous amount of ability, and he has got a lot more ability than a guy like Eli Manning who wasn't very good outside of the pocket. So uh, I think he could be fun to watch. I think he could be very impressive this year if the Giants put him in the right position to not fail.
1: Right, and there's going to be a lot of question marks still with that offensive line and with their receiving core, too, because they both had their own share of struggles and they both have their own share of injuries. Evan Neal still recovering from that knee injury that he had at the end of the season. He didn't look great in the first game. And then Kadarius Tony too, in the receiving end, still recovering from the knee surgery. He didn't play at all, so they're looking at that. Kenny Galladay, who knows what you're going to get out of him. And the tight end position is a very unknown thing for them right now. They drafted a kid, Daniel Bellinger, in the fourth round. Hopefully he's something, but who knows.
2: And the defense... Robinson looks good.
1: Yeah, Robinson looks good. He was, A guy that I didn't think was the second-round pick. I didn't either. I thought he was a late third-round pick, but he's going to fit at least as some type of slot receiver in this system. I think they could use him like Buffalo was using. Who knows? He could be, he could be the, the the deep threat for them. I mean, Very he's, possibly, he's, yeah. He's fast and he's he, he has good hands. Mm-hmm. I could also see him being kind of the versatile-type role that the Giants need in this offense, too. Whether that's him or Kadarius Tony, they're both very similar is going to be another question, but but Buffalo has a lot of guys that they made work, even if they weren't great overall receivers. So even if they're not great receivers because of their height or whatever, right away, Robinson can still be in that kind of role too. The Giants have a lot more versatility, even if they don't have the great all-around skill yet because of what Dable brought to this system. And it showed, even if it didn't score a lot of points and only got a field goal the first two drives, it moved the ball well nicely and got they got open It's just a matter of the offensive line and Daniel Jones.
2: As far as the Jets are concerned, the Zach Wilson was a scare. I, I mean... Yeah. Losing Zach Wilson as early as they he, that he did throwing the interception on the first drive, the Jets giving up 16 points in the first two drives for Philadelphia, all alarming stuff. But even with all the alarming stuff, there was some good things about the preseason game. They came back in the second half of the game. They the, some of the young players like Clemens really showed up to the game. Really showed how explosive he really could be. Sauce Gardner looked like he was very. Uh, into the game, out, on the sidelines, talking to the coaches, getting the players wild up. That's something that you want to see from your star corner. I, I mean, there was a lot of fun things to say about this team and, and what really stood out. Uh, it's just the first team defense did not look good. And even though uh, over the last couple of days I've heard the defense looks fantastic, you got to do it in football games. You got to do it against the acquisition. And they did not do that in game number one. So I expect this week to be better. I expect him to go out there and play better because if you're going to sit here and you're going to tell me, and by the way, shout out to Conklin, who uh, Conklin has been a significant, you know, pick, and and, and I'm not talking about draft, a a free agent that they brought in. As much as everybody liked Asuma uh, for what he did with the Bengals last year and, and how big of a leader he is, Conklin, I believe, is the number one target on the tight end side of the ball. I think he could do everything. He's strong. He could be a fullback. He could do a lot of different things. And uh, if he could stay healthy, I think he's going to be one of the bigger targets for Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco. Um, Defensively, this is a big year for Quentin Williams. It's a huge year for Quentin Williams. If Quentin Williams wants that extension, and he he still has an option, and the Jets could still give him that option for the fifth year, which means they don't have to pay him next year. But they will if he has a good season and he gives the Jets – 12, 13 sacks, dominates the line of scrimmage. Completely a different player than he was last year because the Jets actually have pass rushers now. I I, I mean, that's going to open up the Jets, you know, I guess, hidden box and say, you know what, we're going to give you what you want. We're going to give you the $100 million. We're going to make you the second or highest paid defensive lineman in the league because you deserve it. Mm. So, but he's got to prove himself, and he hasn't done it yet. And... That to me is is alarming to me when you're you're a t- you're a team and you're a player that everybody expected to do so many great things here with the New York Jets. So Jermaine Johnson didn't get to see him much uh, in the first game. The the guy that really stood out in the rookies was Clemens. Right. He, he looked really good. And uh, my friend Eric thinks he's a complete steal in this year's draft. And he says mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he's better than Jermaine Johnson. I said, hold up, wait a minute. Jermaine Johnson was a first-round draft pick. I think Jermaine Johnson's going to be a beast of a man. Just wait and see. You know he has to figure out you know who he is and what his identity is on the football field uh, as a New York Jet. But Clemens, he's mean. Uh, I I think he can stop the run. I, I think he can get at you with the quarterback. He's big. He's strong, and he never he never gives up on a play. And that's what the Jets need, and that's what the Jets want. So I I think the Jets could have some special young
1: players for their future. Yeah, we were even having some of the draft analysts who said that Clemens was a third-round, second-round value, and they got him in the fifth round and were able to... Some of them said he could have been a late first-round. I think, I think one of them said at the start of the season like he was projecting him up there, too, uh, before everything that ended up happening with him. But still, yeah, that, that I think he was the most impressive overall player of the front seven players and sauce Gardner really looked as good as he's supposed to look in that first that first game he was very physical at the line of scrimmage you saw him play against multiple different receivers on the Eagles and the Eagles left their starters in for a while too so sauce Gardner was shutting down all different spots on the field so much where Jalen Hurts had to string it to a lot of their third string guys because Jalen Hurts was locking down either Devonte Smith the little bit he played or some of the other young receivers that they have and I think for the edge rushers, I think it'll give them more of a chance against because he was against Hurts, against a running quarterback, too. It's a tough to judge right away. And Robert Sala, the biggest weaknesses of Robert Sala's defenses have always been against running-type quarterbacks like that because they don't blitz very often. It's a 4-3 base-type defense. They've had their struggles. Even in San Francisco, they've had their struggles with mobile quarterbacks like that. So that's something that he's going to have to adjust to, and I think that was a wake-up call when it comes to that. As far as the rest of the defense, I think a lot of the young players impressed the most, too, and that's a good sign to Mm-hmm. offensively. Very vanilla scheme right in the beginning. Well, but the we Jets, expected that. Right, The Jets aren't going to reveal everything to them, but the one thing I did like is they spread the ball around nicely and they didn't overuse one guy in the backfield either. Brees Hall and Michael Carter both saw good carries. Hall had that one really good mm-hmm. cutback to the left. It was very impressive to me. And, and Conklin, is a very interesting guy because I think he could be their version of Kyle Yushchek, the do it all type thing. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be a better type tight end. He's not going to be George Kittle good, but he'll be something, uh, uh, the second tier, third tier of that with the blocking and the versatility, too. And that's what the Jets have been lacking. We, they had free receivers last year that were kind of good, but they didn't have anything else. Now they have a little bit of everything. Well, that's it
2: for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to thank, obviously, uh, Russell Baxter for joining us, the founder yeah. of Pro Football Guru. Uh, you know, he writes great stories. He worked for ESPN. Guys, uh, you know, so much talent. Uh, he does so much for the NFL. And uh, uh, thank you to uh, J.C. Allen, uh, the reporter, uh, beat writer for Future reports uh, for Buccaneers uh, football. So, shout out to him for giving us the time as well. Um, thank you to all the fans. R- happy birthday to Nithin. Yes. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with Ben talking youth sports and college football and where college football is heading when it comes to money and everything like that. A lot of arguing. So, uh, it won't just be Ben. It will be uh, different people. But Ben will be in the studio with us. So, Uh, a great show lined up for you guys on Thursday and a lot of craziness. So definitely stay tuned. Shout out to all the fans that keep listening to us and all the new fans that just started to listen to us. We are different voices when it comes to sports. We're very unique and we like to make you laugh and, uh, There'll be more fun and more entertainment as we move forward, especially when the summer is over and the heat is completely gone. But thank you for all the fans. Shout out to everybody. Stay safe, stay clean, and keep listening. Thursday, 9 p.m., Sports Loud Mount, so keep tuning in. Uh, I guess that's it, Speedy. You have anything to say before we go? I do not. All right. uh, Hopefully your your grandmother feels better. Yes, thank you. And uh, we'll be back Thursday. Good night, everybody.
3: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.